Hi, before we get started with the episode, we just wanted to point you in the direction of the social accounts we've set up for the show to help you guys engage with us and communicate and get involved with our show. You can email us at can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com. Emailing us will really be the best way to talk to us directly and conversate with us on air during the show. Also, be sure to like You Can't Disappoint a Podcast on Facebook. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Can't Disappoint Podcast and Twitter at You Can't Disappod. That's Disappod like Disappoint. So there's one S and two P's. Well, thanks for tuning in and let's kick off the episode. Here we go. <laughs> I say we knock him out of the kitchen and replace him with one of our own all in one move. Then we're the ones with the chicken. It's like a mafia movie. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be in a mafia movie. Cool. Hello, what's up? Hi. Yo, yo, yo. It's happening again. We're back. Uh, welcome to You Can't Disappoint, a podcast, America's eighth favorite community podcast, and the show that Steven's mom says just gets better and better. <laughs> that was a real quote from my mother. She's uh, collecting a group of grievances. <laughs> welcome to the show. I'm Zach, and as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be podcasting about an episode of a TV show about mafia movies. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steven, and I hope we can make this quick, because I really have to give a banana to Annie's boobs. <laughs> And a real quick shout out to our community daddies at communities on Twitter. They have made it very clear recently that they're all about us calling them daddy. So I want to see how far we can take it. We're happy to get on our knees and do the work for you, daddy. So follow at communities on Twitter. Uh, be part of the 13,000 strong. They're cool. You know, I, I always wanted a dad and now I've got two. Thanks, communities. <laughs> So this week, we've got our first guest host on the show. Uh, we're really happy to bring him on. A friend of mine from high school. It was kind of one of those moments where the the first time I saw that he he liked Arrested Development and he liked community, like, outwardly, I was like, I've got to be friends with this guy. It's like, I thought I was the only one. So everyone, welcome to the show. The man who taught me how to torrent, Alex Webster. <laughs> Woo! What's going on, you guys? Hey, how's it going? Oh man, it's going so good in my life right now. Uh, how about you guys? That was I, really well, enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> I I was just thinking about what you were just talking about. How basically, like community was like like a really watershed moment in our friendship. Like initially, it was just like, oh hey, this guy seems pretty cool. But once we really started connecting on community, like the rocket, it took off. Yeah, I remember really vividly. It was creative writing class. Yes. And you were, like, in charge at the end of class, and you were showing off some of your short films that you had made, and then you still had time to dick around on the computer, so you started showing, like, little clips from community and stuff. And I noticed in one of your short films that you had worn, like, a Bluth's banana shirt. I was like, oh, my God, where has this man been all my life? <laughs> it was yeah. love at first sight. I thought you yeah. were the coolest guy in the world, but that probably doesn't mean a whole lot coming from, <laughs> coming from <laughs> what I thought of as cool. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah, glad was... to have you here. I'm glad to uh, have you to talk about such a great episode. Like, yes. seriously, a good episode. Yeah, yeah. this is one of uh, Community's early standouts, I would say. I mean, I'm sure they pretty much all are in the first season, but uh, the identity of the show as it would be moving forward really kind of started to take hold at the end of this season here. Yeah, season one's definitely different than the other seasons where it is a little bit more grounded, and this feels like they're starting to... Uh, push ahead to what season two is going to be. 
and how yeah. they're going to really go crazy with it. Absolutely. So yeah, let's get right into some trivia stuff. Woo! For those who don't know, we're talking about Contemporary American Poultry. It was episode 21 of season one. It was directed by Tristram Shapiro, who directed 24 episodes of the series uh, throughout the course. He directed in every season, and this was his first. It was written by Emily Cutler and Carrie Dornetto, who both had a couple credits in the first and second seasons. And I forgot to look up when it first aired. So there you go. Fix it in post. <laughs> Spring of 2010, I'm sure. There you go. April 22nd, 2010. Yes. Yeah, there absolutely. you go. Absolutely. So let's get into some trivia. Yeah. I've uh, got the typical three questions. All right, I do as well. I don't remember. Would you like to go first? first? You can go first. Sure, I think, is it me this week? All right. Who cares? Um, yeah, right? Nobody watches this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right that nobody watches it because it's audio only. <laughs> it's just me. I watch on YouTube every week. Um, all right, question number one, um, and this is a multi-part question. Uh, Alex, feel free to help Zach out here. Um, what were the study group members' jobs in the crime family? Now, Pierce can have a couple different answers uh, for him, but... The specific titles, I don't know. I know it's all that one montage where they go through all of it. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't remember the specific titles. Uh, I know that Annie was like a runner, mm -hmm. and Shirley was like packaging, and Troy was... I'm not sure what Troy was. I don't remember what he was doing either. Yeah, Britta, Britta was also packaging with right. Shirley because she was they weren't vegetarian. Gonna eat it. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What did we miss? What were the other couple? All right. So T Bone was the bag man. Oh, and Jeff was the oh, leader. They yeah, say that. Jeff at first. was the boss. He was the leader. Um, Annie was the leg man slash distributor. Uh, Britta and Shirley were the packaging. Abed was the fry cook. If you wanted to include that, yeah. but Pierce. Uh, Abed says that he, you know, kept the, the wheels from squeaking, but then on the little board it says he's the money man. <laughs> so I would have I would have accepted either of those answers. <laughs> okay, okay, so like half right, or maybe a little yeah, more than half know. right. Yeah. Okay, so my first one is my easiest one. Uh what is Robot Annie programmed to do? Oh, balls in You know, she's like, I am a robot. Yeah. I am programmed to. Oh, shnikes. Oh, to love this backpack. There you go. <laughs> oh. Someone will get it. <laughs> it took me a second. All I could think about was those poor car manufacturers. <laughs> I couldn't get what that backpack was, what was supposed to be so special about that backpack. I don't know. I, I think it was, yeah, it was just the amount of, like, things she could carry on her person, like I she suppose. was going hiking or something. That looked like an awful thing to carry around in the school hallway. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, another question. All right. Um, what message slash messages did Abed send to the group members? So what did he do to each of them to send a message? Oh, okay, so at the end when he was, like, whacking them, well, he mm -hmm. cut the wire on Pierce's TV. Mm-hmm. He, he got rid of Annie's boobs. Yeah, unfortunately. He shredded um, Annie's backpack. Yeah. Yes. Displayed um, it for everyone. He mm -hmm. got rid of Britta's hairdresser and put had them put gum in her hair. Yep. Oh, and my favorite one was he stole <laughs> sexy dreadlocks from Shirley. Yeah. And he was feeding him chicken fingers. <laughs> the way he looks at her as he's feeding that grown man chicken fingers is great. <laughs> Abed, maybe we'll get into it a little bit more when we take the episode through, but there was some like sexually ambiguous stuff from Abed here that I really appreciated. <laughs> I was here he for He was it. just willing to do what he had to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, according to the whiteboard that had all the details about all the characters, what is Abed's function? Oh, now Abed was blocked when I like was actually trying to look at the board, so I don't know this one. I don't know what it said specifically. I can't said, answer either. I don't know. It said control. Oh. I knew that'd be a tough one, but I figured mm-hmm. the people that ride into us would probably ask a lot of questions about that, yeah. so I did pause it and look at it for a second. Yeah, for sure. All right, my third one, which is probably my easiest one. How many fingers does Abed agree to give Chang? Eight. Was it eight? Correct. Yes. Oh, okay. Bingo. <laughs> I was thinking okay, either um, eight or nine. Nice. We're pretty solid. It's nice having a, a third person to fill in the gaps for the trivia because we don't ever know these questions. <laughs> Although our questions are also are always the considerably easier than... <laughs> We're really like, going to need you here. We'll be like, what is what is Chang's first name or something like that? And people will be like, <laughs> at timestamp 314. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but this How one actually buttons? is probably the toughest one that I came up with. And I'll, I, I'm sure you guys won't get it the way this has been going so far. I just okay. paused it and went with it. When the group is boxing up chicken fingers into styrofoam containers to be distributed, what does Shirley write in Sharpie on the top box of the stack she hands to Annie? Ooh. It wasn't, <laughs> I don't know that one. <laughs> it wasn't Dean Pelton 24 because that was what was on Dean's box. No, it wasn't. And I didn't quite get what it was supposed to mean because I figured she was writing who they all went to. It said yeah. TSO3. Ooh. I don't know who that goes to. <laughs> so that's all the questions we got from us. Let's get into some of the questions that people sent into us. And before we do, I'm going to read an email that was sent to us that did not include questions from someone we haven't heard from before. Hi, Zach uh-huh. and Steven. They say, my name is Neve. They put how to pronounce it. Neve. Oh, from Catfish. Is that what that person's name is? I've never watched that. Yeah. Oh, I thought his name was Nev. Oh, shit. I don't know. It's <laughs> N-E-V. Didn't he, like, get canceled and then the show was still on and they kept letting him do it? He's I feel like I remember there being so. some type of something. Okay, anyway. That wasn't this Neve. Uh, they've been listening to our podcast since week one. They've always wanted to email in. However, they thought they would wait until we got to Contemporary American Poultry as it is their favorite episode of the first season. And I might be inclined to agree. Uh, They don't have questions, but they wanted to give some opinions. They say, being blunt, Abed is my favorite character in the show. One of you guys mentioned in a recent episode that he is the heart of the series, and I completely agree. Despite that, I don't think that the goodwill and innocence of his character would shine through quite as much if it wasn't for Jeff acting as a foil for pretty much everything Abed does. This is why I love the scene that they share in in the canteen at the end of the episode. Despite both of them having completely different intentions and attitudes in life, they seem to understand one another to a degree, or at least try to. Abed's line, I just need to connect to people like you can, and then I can make everyone happy, makes me emotional every time I watch it. Such a simple line of dialogue, with so much meaning and characterization behind it. This is one of the first times we see Abed openly struggling with his own personality. He's aware that if he had the cool guy persona that Jeff has, understanding people, and in turn making them happy, would come much easier to him. I think that envisioning himself as a mafia leader, it shows that from being in the presence of Jeff every day, Abed believes that he needs to have that kind of assertive, sociable personality in order to make his friends happy, or his father, which we saw in other episodes. However, due to Abed's good nature, we don't really witness jealousy towards Jeff on this part when there's pretty good grounds for it. Socially distant hugs from Ireland, Neve. Very thoughtful. Oh, awesome. Thanks for writing in, Neve. Such that insight. That was very well written, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if... I've ever seen the, I mean, in this episode it is, but I don't think of Abed and Jeff as, like, really much of a disdain between them. I feel like they're the characters that get each other in a way that none of the other characters do. 
like Jeff can talk to Abed intelligently and not need to, I don't know, like baby him like a lot of them seem to. And Abed just kind of gets it. He's very emotionally mature and educated. And he kind of, I don't know, I just feel like the characters are on very even ground most of the time. I think that uh, Jeff and Abed a lot of the time are kind of there to fill in what the other person is missing. Like they point out like, hey, you're doing this. You need to kind of balance it a little more. I'm doing a lot of hand things, but yeah, <laughs> they, they they fill the other's cup. It's different yeah. from like Britta who used to always like point out to Jeff, hey, you're doing something wrong and this is what you should be doing instead. It's like they have a way of saying things like that to each other without like, with, with like cutting all the bullshit. Really. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. This this is a very interesting perspective on the Jeff and Abed uh, relationship. One I haven't really thought about it this way before because I guess like yeah, like you said, Zach, the most uh, adversarial relationship uh, in Jeff's life is probably with Britta most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Abed, throughout the course of the show, and especially in episodes like this, um, the show always hints that he basically has some sort of godlike power, which I guess. <laughs> They actually do an actual episode about that season. But, um, yeah, like, Abed's basically always kind of bursting at the seams, but keeping it under control pretty much Mm -hmm. the rest, the whole show. Yeah, Abed's always the coolest guy in the room. And everyone, like, in the close group around him doesn't seem to see that. They think they need to (laughs) impose on him and fix him. But he's uh, at such a higher level than anybody else, especially Jeff, who thinks he's up there, too. So, Stephen, do you want to get into some of the other questions we've been sent? Sure. We've got three emails this week. I'll start at the top. Um, all right. First email, it says, Hola, Zach, Stephen, and surprise guest host. Hope y'all are having a great day so far. I'm so excited <laughs> to hear your take on this episode. One of the funniest parts to me is Abed feeding chicken to Dreadlocks Guy. I've seen this episode probably over ten times, and for some reason it always catches me by surprise. <laughs> Special shout-out to Community for the Racism Does Not Compute poster being on the same one that they reference Trump, and for being such geniuses that they can make episodes equally as emotionally charged as they are funny like this one. Here are my questions. Nice, Danny. I agree with that. Um, what illness does Britta's cat have? Um... Diabetes. Diabetes, yeah. 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 <laughs> can't even make it to the litter box. Yeah, can't make it to the litter box. <laughs> I didn't know uh, diabetes like affected your mobility like that. Yeah, maybe when you're a cat. <laughs> I guess that's I true. I mean, frequently diabetic people have to get their legs cut off, so. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Okay, thing. okay, sorry. Gosh. Not a diabetes <laughs> podcast. How insensitive can you be? <laughs> this week on You Can't Diabetes. <laughs> we, uh... <laughs> <laughs> How many people are part of Pierce's posse? Um, oh man, we'll I didn't count. Look, I'm yeah, I didn't either. Guess... There's like at least five. There's like five, maybe six. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say six or seven. There's like the one two gets or three added that they in named. later. Yeah, and then three or two or four. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Troy says I wouldn't threaten a monkey. They have more blank than us, and that's gonna be good old lactic acid. Yeah, I heard that. It's when they're all yelling over each other and they're all yeah. talking about why they're frustrated. And Troy's giving facts about monkeys, they're like yelling. It's really funny. It's amazing. Um, ooh, what room number is Abed's office? No clue. I don't have any idea. We'll have to check. Um, I noticed okay. from these questions that people send to us that I'm not really that. Like, this is a stupid-sounding thing, but I'm not that much of a visual watcher. I, like, very much engage with what is being said and what, like, the, the the main actors are doing. And I always know there's so many things that I miss by not, like, 
pausing all the time and looking at what's on the wall and looking at what's on the sign. But it's just not what I focus on when I'm watching the episode, even when we watch it like three times before we record <laughs> this. I, I, I agree with you, Zach. I didn't realize I needed to do a lot of production design watching when uh, checking out the episode. When, this is definitely one of those shows that calls for that sometimes. Though. Yeah. They, they talk on the commentary all the time how the people in the production team – got the vibe of the show and the jokes and and the world better than the writers did sometimes like the whiteboard with all the stuff about all the characters yeah. was like a production design thing it wasn't a writer's room thing and they killed it it's crazy totally. go ahead next so question sorry um okay the last one mention one like of each study member from abed's likes and needs boards and i'm going to jump ahead of this and say that shirley likes brownies um brita likes feminism um on Pierce's likes, it said like three times streets ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did look at I, – I looked at all the stuff, but I didn't memorize it. I'm trying to think if I can come up with any others. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I know any other ones. I just I saw Shirley liked brownies and I smiled because I also like brownies. And then oh, one of Abed's was banjo music, which I thought was really interesting. That all right, it caught me off guard. Go I'm going to assume that one on Troy's board said boobs or butts. <laughs> probably butt stuff. That's probably yeah. Yeah. Butt stuff yeah. was one of them. It was. That's good. Well, so much, that was close. Uh, yep. And then she says, much love, Danny. So thanks, Danny, for writing in. Appreciate your insights and questions. Um, next up, we've got from our buddy MJ. MJ said, hey, Zach and Steven. You guys just keep getting better and funnier with each new episode. Love the discussion. Is on the MJ secretly of- your mom? You know <laughs> damn well that my mom does not think that we are getting better or funnier. She said capacity. that she tagged us on something on Facebook today that said we're getting better and better. Wow, she must not have meant me because she she didn't me. mention funnier. It <laughs> yeah, like. that's very true. Funnier. That's very true. Okay, that's are the fair. episodes getting shorter? Is that what's happening? Is it? <laughs> eh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um. But loved our discussion on the science of illusion and is so excited for the plans that we announced on that episode. So are we. Um, excited for us to dive deep into the very first full-fledged high-concept community episode. I'm a big fan of crime thrillers, so contemporary American poultry just hits me right in my pop culture sweet spot. Not only that, but this episode introduced so many running gags like Annie's boobs and Streets Ahead. There are so many iconic LOL scenes here, but my favorites have to be the two montage sequences in the beginning and the middle of the episode. Community always knows how to make montages that are jam-packed with so much visual jokes and one-liners, and this episode is no exception. As for the between... As for the MVP (laughs) of the episode, I think this one is a joint effort between Jeff and Abed, the pairing that I will always acknowledge as the heart of the group. Hope y'all enjoy my quiz this week. Definitely one of my harder ones, but I Yikes. hope the questions will lead to some interesting discussions. And it's not like his are usually easy. No, they're not. Okay, here we go. I like this one. Complete the quote from Abed regarding Britta. The idea that you blank makes your lack of, makes your lack of flavor kind of a flavor. Um, filter yourself? Constantly filter yourself? I yeah, think. I, think yeah. It, I think he was talking about filtering. Yeah, that was a funny that line. That is a really funny line. As much as I love Britta, it's a very funny line. Um, Those two what was... lines, sorry if I may interject no. about that exchange that they had um, uh, with just talking about how Abba just puts things that people doesn't want to hear, just says it right to them. It felt like, uh, is this episode, I'm sorry, 
community fans, but is this episode before or after the episode where he goes after all the bitches in Green Day? I think that's next season. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's next I've season. Been, okay. I've been watching season two recently, so my memory's all fuzzy. However, <laughs> that's okay. I feel like it's a good preview of that episode. Just the writers finding out that they have this power in Abed and like, oh shit, we should we should like really mention this now so we can do something with it later. Yeah. Yeah, like they it. definitely go a lot farther with Abed in, in season two than they do in season one. This is kind of one of the only episodes other than like the very first couple of episodes that really dive deep into Abed and how his brain works and how mm-hmm. he how he interacts with people and how he like uh, I don't know how he un- how he understands what people are doing to be. I don't know. It's really good. And Abed is always like one of the most killer characters in any given episode. But it- it's nice to finally have one where he was the focus. Yeah, yeah. You love to see it. Um, number two. What was the complete headline of the Greendale Gazette Journal Mirror when Starburns got fired from the fry cook job? I remember seeing it and in my head taking note of it, but I don't remember exactly. The cut to it, it was very funny. It definitely I Starburns was, too- was in it. Mm-hmm. I was too busy laughing at the the main headline, which said Stargate. I didn't read. Yeah, the rest Stargate. Of it. Um, yeah. Not a reference to the show, but a reference to Watergate. Is like it, it was something like saying that that's what it <laughs> yeah. was. Okay. And that made me laugh. Yeah. Does that answer <laughs> the question, or are they asking about a different headline? I, I think that's that. what they're talking about. Okay. I think that's well, what cool. they're talking about. Right on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and here we go back to back to this. According to Troy, why shouldn't we threaten a monkey? Because they have more lactic acid. Yeah. You don't want does to lactic them. acid... What, what is lactic acid and what does it do to you? Does it... Ah, so uh, my knowledge of it at least is that like when you're working out, the thing that like makes your muscles like strong is lactic acid. That's why they, okay. they like fill with lactic acid and they're like, oh, muscles, I think. Some monkeys are really strong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a Am little I monkey close? though. I feel, like, I feel like we could take that monkey if we had to. You ever fought a baby? <laughs> no, have you? <laughs> yeah, they're strong as hell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. Uh, number four. During Jeff and Abed's talk in his dorm room, a brief shot of a whiteboard detailing the study group's functions, likes, likes and needs, can be seen. Every single one of the study group had at least one of their needs answered, except for which member? Was that Abed then? That sounds like that would be an Abed thing. How do either Abed or Jeff? I have no I feel like we always know what Jeff needs, though. It's true. <laughs> Especially Abed knows what Jeff needs, you know? Yes, exactly. I feel like there's a chance that Pierce didn't get anything he, want, and he wanted. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. We can look at that later if we remember, but we mm-hmm. never do. Very rarely. Uh, number five... During Jeff's conversation with the group regarding trying to rein Abed in, a poster can be seen in the storeroom. Whether intentional or not, the poster can be seen as a reference to what iconic season two episode? Is oh, there a shit. Dungeons and Dragons thing there? When you say iconic season two, that makes me think Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, or perhaps, I don't know, there's a ton in the second season. Mm-hmm. Perhaps something space or fried chicken related? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, I don't know. There's so many bangers in season two. Right. You make me choose. <laughs> I'm well, so excited to so get to it. There's so many posters in the show that yeah, like, I can't yeah. – like, I always pick one, but I always pick the wrong one to notice. <laughs> Not that I haven't loved going through all of the season one episodes so closely because yeah. they are all great. Like the stuff in episode er, in season two is what I'm really looking forward to picking apart, seeing like yeah, every little detail in it. And this is a good precursor to that, this episode. There's a lot of stuff in this one. Yeah. Yeah, season um, three as well. So yeah, I like season two and three are probably my favorite. I like one a lot, but season three is a little messy. 
There's a lot of You're stuff I really messy. like in season three. I don't know. Um, well, I'm going to aggressively disagree with you, Zachary. <laughs> That's fair. So how, Finally, so, someone else. So does. where do you land on – I guess we can talk about whatever the f*** we want. Where, so I think like season two is the best, and then season one and three are pretty close. And then seasons five and six are a couple steps below but still really good, and I probably like five a little bit better. And then season four isn't cool to hate anymore for some reason, but it, it's not it for me. I kind of like that it's the last of the – low-key school shenanigans community but it feels like watching a different show yeah for sure i i think like i love season three um and i can't say that it's better than season two like just forever um even though i want to believe that sometimes (laughs) season two definitely number one season three is like one b for me um and then definitely it comes down to here season one i probably would give five like one half of five is better than six and one half of six is better than five so those i don't disagree with you there for sure the back half Um, of six is better than the back half of five i very vividly remember after during season six uh my freshman year of college i was watching one of the episodes and i just remember thinking of it afterwards i was just like i'm ready for community to be over now and um but then like there the, were a handful like of episodes half. towards the end of it that yeah. I was really glad that they at least like that last paintball episode was really great. That last uh, the series finale I think is great. Yeah, but definitely. it did definitely feel a little bit like I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. The episodes were a little bit longer and looser, and it felt yeah. It, I don't yeah. know. It it's d- kind of like a Netflix effect when you see a show that was once on like broadcast or cable or whatever get picked up by a streaming right. service mm-hmm. like if there was going to be like a half hour show sometimes they do like minute like 35 minute episodes or something like that just because they can and yeah, it, just and it can. almost yeah. never makes them better uh no. netflix yeah. originals that tend to play around with the format are one thing and don't bother me but a show that you're used to it feeling a certain way and then they can stretch it out however they want mm-hmm. it totally affects yeah. it yeah yeah totally. anyway do we have more questions what were we talking about guess you don't care about my rankings zach well because i know you haven't seen like half of it uh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, I know you haven't seen much of season six. I've seen most of season six. Okay, well, then go ahead. I care. I care if you want me to care. Hey, Alex, I'm going to tell you my rankings. So, Alex, okay. I really think that, you know, season two is, is at the top for me, followed by season three, and then I'd probably go <clears throat> season one, below season three, just because I don't really like Jeff for a lot of season one. Um, I like him now. I can agree with that. But, yeah. yeah. And then it's I'd probably go... Absolutely. Five, because of what I've seen of six, was not the strongest bits of it. Then I go six, then then four. Okay, yeah. I don't even remember four. I must have had a gas leak or something <laughs> uh, when I was watching that. So I can't wait to watch it again now. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to go through it and get to it as well and pick it apart. I'm hoping that, Yeah. I don't know, it's so hard to know. Do I feel the way I feel about it because I know what was going on behind the scenes? If I was totally impartial and just watched the whole of community without knowing anything other than what's presented to me, would I have noticed how off it felt? Yeah. I feel like maybe, but I probably would have enjoyed it quite a bit more if I didn't know what was going on behind yeah. the scenes. De- 
definitely the worst season to start watching Blind and then, mm-hmm. like, oh, let me, let me see what everybody's talking about. Yeah. And season four starts. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. In what world was Community the show that everybody was talking about until well, now when we've decided they, to make a podcast about it? Definitely <laughs> were not. I've, I very much remember all the daily checking of ratings uh, back when the show was on. And now I get to live vicariously that again through checking the ratings of this show that we created. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the numbers are about the same. (laughs) What else Uh, we got? All right. Number six. What words can be seen on the chicken finger patches on the blazers that the study group was wearing? I don't know. They had different names on the back of them? (laughs) Yeah, I, I... Looked for the chicken finger patches when I saw they were wearing the jackets, but then I then I stopped. Yeah, I think the the inner um, anime nerd in me got excited because I was like, "Ooh, a blazer and a skirt! What is this? A a school romance?" <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Number seven. Name the title and artist of the song that was playing during Abed's sending a message montage. Bonus. Ooh, this points. was part of my trivia. Ooh, I didn't know you had trivia. I would have incorporated that. Before. That's okay. That's we'll, okay. We'll do it we'll, after this. Yeah, it'll be special. Yeah. Um, but I know this one. Okay. Well, bonus points. You can name the the movie, the song, and montage's channeling, which we know too easy. Too yeah, easy. I, wa- I watched Goodfellas over yesterday and today for the first time, and I don't know the name of the song, but just having Goodfellas fresh on my mind, and then that scene using the same exact song, it was very Pretty effective, great. and they did a great job. Yeah. I yeah. do not know the title of it or who it's by. It's called uh, Layla. It's okay. um it's okay. I guess the way yeah, you'll okay. see it like in the Goodfellas soundtrack it's called, it's a piano outro. Mm-hmm. Um it's by Derek and the Dominoes. I have it up. Nice. Right here. It's almost Derek definitely what I'll use to play out the podcast this week. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um yeah. Martin Scorsese, one of his most famous sequences like ever. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk more about Goodfellas in a minute, but great f- movie. Absolutely. All right, and number eight, what were the three food items that Abed was testing out as a replacement for chicken fingers after everyone got sick of them? Tater tots? Tater tots. Was onion rings one of them? Because they were eating onion rings in the end during the 16 candles thing, but it wasn't one of the ones he listed. It was jalapeno poppers and zucchini circles. Oh, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Those sound fun, but I feel like they're not as fun in practice. I feel like you have to call them something silly because... They're have you ever had, had fried, fried zucchini. zucchini? It's pretty good. I don't really. I'm not a big zucchini guy. Mm, okay. I don't know if I have ever had fried zucchini, so maybe that would be different. It's good. It's like surprisingly good. I guess that's an American thing to just fry something you think you won't like, <laughs> right? And then you like it. Yeah. Yeah. Dip it in some ranch. <laughs> have you seen <laughs> My much. Life Is a Zucchini? <laughs> what? It was a a French like stop motion animation film, but but Nick Offerman was in the English version of it. It was really good. It's about like these kids at an orphanage, and like he's like a cop or something. Really good freaking movie. Does someone turn into a zucchini? No. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't really remember why it's called My Life is Zucchini. Maybe it's lost in translation. Okay. <laughs> Mon okay. vie de zucchini. I don't know what it's called. I don't know how to say zucchini <laughs> in French. Well, this movie looks really interesting. I'm going to check it out. You should. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. (laughs) All right, and then we have one more email um, from our friend Anorak. Hey, guys, this was an amazing episode to rewatch because I would call it the birth of the golden age from community. 
Sure, there were some fantastic episodes before, and last week we already did like a buddy cop genre thing, but this was, at least for me, the moment where I decided that this show was far, far more than a sitcom, and still one of my absolute favorite episodes because of that. And to answer your question from last week's podcast, I'm so sorry, but from what I heard on the podcast, <laughs> I would decide that Zach is more the straight man out of you two, and Steven would be the badass. Thank you, that's correct. Um, <laughs> my MVP this week has to go to Abed. They do such a good job in making the character more likable with every single episode, and this just shows how selfless he truly is. Another thing that this episode does really well, in my opinion, is to explore the dynamic between Jeff and Abed, which is my second favorite dynamic in the whole show. After Troy and Abed, of course. Best scene has to be the first monologue from Abed, which he sets up the tone for the entire episode. Now, to my three <laughs> trivia questions. How many chicken fingers did Abed give in exchange, or give Chang in exchange for a better grade? That would be... It was eight. 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 Um, <laughs> then we have... What's the name of the guy who pours ice in Abed's drink? Eduardo. Eduardo. I was going like to say Ronaldo. the best Eduardo. Eduardo. Mm-hmm. All right. And then what is Troy and Abed's signature trick in the end tag called? Awesome, awesome elevator. elevator. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then that's it, guys. Looking forward to the next episode, which will probably be Streets Ahead, as always. Thanks, Anorak. And now we'll try our, best. our very special guest is going to give us some trivia. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Well, this, this trivia, I guess, was going to be pretty hard. I was looking at it from a Goodfellas perspective. I like it. That's okay, really that's all fair. I knew to do. That's fair. Um, the, first, the first piece of trivia was about uh, the song Layla and the specifically that sequence where Abed is sending a message, how that mirrors the... Your famous sequence yeah. in uh, Goodfellas. So, hooray, everybody's already talking about it. Um, one thing I did have um, as a piece of trivia was when Abed, I believe it was over voiceover, when he's talking about how he needed to punish the study group for getting too big of an ego, yeah. uh, he said something about going back to living life as a bunch of blanks again. Does anybody remember what he called them? Schnooks? Is that yeah. what he calls them? Schnooks? Yeah, schnooks. Yeah. I definitely likened it to how in Goodfellas, you know, they have all the terms that they use for, like, normal people who work for nothing and yeah. get nothing for – I didn't pick up schnooks. Was that a, a phrase that they use in Goodfellas? Do yeah, they, it's, they like call the, people schnooks? it's like the last line of the movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch it for yeah. the first time today. Didn't well, you watch watched, it for the first time? Yeah, yeah, I literally just watched it for the first time last <laughs> night. But, I mean, last line of the movie, he's like, now i got to live life as a schnook again a or schnook. something like that. Oh, yeah. Cuts it's... it black or cuts a title. I guess to talk about Goodfellas for a second then, it was one of those movies that I, I loved feeling in the world of it and getting to know the characters and see all the, all the way things interact with each other. And then when it ended, even though it was two and a half hours long, I would have watched so much more of it. I feel like, I don't know, I could have watched it for another hour. Yeah, have you seen Casino? I have not seen Casino. And I know that there are a lot of references to that in here as well. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I guess every Martin Scorsese movie with Robert De Niro is kind of more of Goodfellas. I haven't seen The Irishman. I started. That one is pretty good. Yeah, I haven't finished it. How far did you get into it? I think I watched like hour one. Okay. Well, you got plenty more to go yeah. through. <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely too long. Like it's not it's not like a a badge of pride I would say on the Irishman is to say that it oh yeah, it's three and a half hours long. Buckle up. <laughs> I would say they should have cut out, you know, mm-hmm. a fair amount of that movie. I'm what did what did you think about Goodfellas, Stephen? Uh so I have not seen it for a few years. 
but I kind of went and looked at some things to just get ready for the episode. But it's one of my favorites, especially because of Joe Pesci in that movie for me is like so, so good. Like I, I, I like De Niro a lot in it too, but I think that Joe Pesci's performance as kind of the like the side man who's the muscle, but also kind of driving his own thing is so good. And I think that I like the way in this episode of community, you know, Jeff is, he's the boss, he's the head of the group, right? But then Abed kind of plays that role of the guy who's putting in all the work and getting the respect and kind of raising his own status. And I like how that kind of played into it quite a bit. Well, yeah. much like Henry, he's the guy who like grew up always wanting to be a part of this thing. So he was mm-hmm. going to do whatever he could to, to insert himself into it successfully. Yeah. I was thinking when watching the movie, is Jeff uh, Jimmy or is Jeff Polly? Are those the characters' names? <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm glad that you guys really liked it because I want to talk about how much I didn't like it that much, despite well, that's all fair. the hype. Ooh, that's fair, it. and yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say that. I wouldn't say by any means that anything happened that I was blown away with. It was just a movie with the world and characters that I I enjoyed walking around in for a little while, mm-hmm. but it, sure. it wasn't any and it wasn't anything that. I don't know if it's the fault of the movie or if it's the fault of all the cliches that were set up by it that I've been so uh, acquainted with that now mm-hmm. it seems like I already know all the tricks that it has to pull yeah. because of, of being spoiled by all the things made inspired by it. I'm not sure. Yeah, for sure. I like. I guess as far as mafia everything goes like you go back to goodfellas mm-hmm. um even though there's like plenty of really famous mafia focused movies i mean like the godfather yeah Hello. which i've um, also so, never seen I've, yeah I've, I've also not seen it i've read the book the book is really amazing Ooh. okay I've, I've only seen like half of the movie i, I should watch it anyway goodfellas i think is like definitely going to be one of the most high quality like museum museum exhibits of uh this kind of like super heavily realistic period piece of it i guess 1950s to 1980s mafia northeast america like that part of it like you guys are saying like joe pesci robert de niro de niro is one of my favorite guys um like everybody's so great in this movie so lived in it's like sopranos kind of level of authenticity yeah like totally believe like yeah, like a lot mm-hmm. of the major actors in the movie, a lot of people speaking lines, it seems like they were literally like dudes straight out of the mafia mm-hmm. just looking for roles in <laughs> film and TV, just doing these these parts. So it's great. It's, I'm glad that we have like this whole subgenre of crime uh, to explore. But um, I don't know. I felt like it was it got really, really repetitive and um, it was just very long as well. I wonder what you guys thought about the way the story progressed in Goodfellas, like after the first hour, basically. Well, I think it served me a little bit well that, okay, so I have a DVD of Goodfellas that I'd never put in and watched before yesterday. And it's such an old DVD that it's one of the double-sided mirror DVDs and oh, half of the nice. movie's on one side oh. and the other wow. half's on the other. So we watched That's the whole vintage. first half of it last night and we're intending to watch the rest of it, but then things kind of happened. And so I kind of had to watch another half hour of it this morning and then watch the last hour right before I started to get ready for the show. So that might have helped me not like itch for it to be over a little bit that I was able to take a break, but I would also probably would have been a little more engaged in it if I had watched mm-hmm. it all at once. Uh, I do think the first half was better than the second half. Um, and there were quite a few things in the movie that I expected to 
blow up that I guess didn't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's I was kind of waiting for um I guess I don't want to spoil it too hard for listeners Anyone who haven't seen it. You should seen watch it, it. But yeah. You should watch it. It's definitely like a class and it's an American classic. Um but I think what I was really I think this is just kind of a product of it being like an adaptation of a famous mafia autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um but the story itself just didn't take too many turns that I I mean I wouldn't have it already totally. expected. Not a ton and of plot not, to it really. Yeah. 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 But it's all about character, which is great because, like, literally everybody is in a perfect role mm-hmm. in this film, and everybody does career work. However, you know, if if you aren't ingrained in the first hour, like in these people's lives, and you want to see them either get better or get worse, then it's just gonna kind of peter out, like it did for me. But still, a really good movie to watch anyway. Yeah, I think I was less thrown off by the length because I saw Goodfellas, I know after I had already seen Scarface and after I had seen Casino for the first time, I'm pretty sure. And so I kind of was used to the structure of, okay, they start out from nothing, the first part is them getting big, then they're kind of big for a while, and then, you know, the movies, they all kind of have a similar theme to the end of it, you know, they're going to get God or they're not. You have to figure out where they're going to get away. You know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But uh, I feel like that, like you said, when you're in the in that world and those characters, they feel so real. You want to see something happen that you don't expect. I think we're really spoiled with a lot of movies that, like, are really good that we've seen that maybe aren't based on truth, right? Because they can take those turns and do things that we wouldn't expect. Have somebody, you know double triple quadruple cross you know someone whereas when it's a real life story sometimes they're limited which i i appreciate them sticking to i'm sure a very dramatized to some degree version of real events but yeah you know yeah it's a it's a line to walk i'm not really complaining about anything i guess (laughs) it's just particular like oh my god thank god i finally watched goodfellas yeah yeah basically yeah now i don't have I always wanted to pick up at some point and never had. And now I'm glad that I did and yeah. I can cross it off the list and I'll probably watch it again at some point, but it's yeah. not on a favorites list, I suppose. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's start digging into this episode of Community. The episode begins with just kind of a regular study group scene. And I like that in these uh, these these high genre episodes, how this episode still worked really well as a as a regular episode within the confines of the the gimmick they were trying to do this week. I think in some later seasons of Community, they don't do that quite as well. Uh, stuff like the Meow Meow Beans episode comes to mind, which I really, really like. Yeah. But it's hard to look behind it and see much of what it was doing for, like, I don't know, the storylines of the characters. I think this episode does a lot of great stuff with the group dynamic. And there's some really funny jokes in this first bit of the episode. Um, what is it, Troy's line about the class that he's taking because he thought it was about being afraid of fish or something like that. He thought it was crazy farm animals. Crazy farm animals, Psychopharmacology, yeah. I think. Psycho, psychopharmacology. What is that actually? I'm guessing it has to do with medicine, like pharmacy, but like for psychological needs. So probably like, I don't know, mood stabilizers or the science of like what those things do for you. Yeah. I- I can just see Troy like sitting in that classroom and like looking at everyone <laughs> to the side of him and like <laughs> That's how I felt in a lot of classes, honestly. I had a like a trigonometry class that I didn't have to take but I thought would look good on a college thing and I got to my first test and 
none of it on the test made sense to me like at all and I had tried really hard and I just wrote a whole note on the back of the test that I turned in and was like I don't know how to do any of this I'm really sorry I know I'm a failure I'm gonna try to get out of your class thank you (laughs) the whole streets ahead thing comes in here and it's one of Pierce's most signature phrases I guess but I don't know that he ever actually says it again after this episode I don't know. I feel like I, I hear it said so much that I kind of assume that he does, but he very well might not say it's it. It's definitely one time. of those things in the fandoms, but I, in the fandom, but I don't think it comes up that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like yeah. the way that he. I don't know. I wonder how this how this came about in Pierce's head. If he heard it somewhere, or if he just made it, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't really get his angle here. Right. It's kind of like Annie's like, "Do you mean like miles ahead, or like what are you?" <laughs> He's really, really trying like to make the, fetch happen. I really like when Abed. I don't know, he, uh, uh, someone asked Abed if it makes sense to him, and he, like, looks over and, like, registers for a second to see if it's in his database of things that he's ever heard before, and he's like, nope, I can't speak to it. <laughs> but Streets Ahead is verbal wildfire. I like that he called it verbal wildfire, because that's what it feels like every time I watch this sequence of them talking about it. Cause this is the scene I think about. I don't think about anybody saying it after this scene yeah. in the show. It's just but so streets ahead here. It sticks for sure. Yeah, it, so it is yeah, it verbal just makes wildfire. We're all talking it all about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Damn it, That's he's right. Point. <laughs> they start talking about how the chicken fingers are the hot commodity in the cafeteria and how it's one of those things. This is kind of a trope in of its own, I think, that there's like the hot item at the cafeteria that everyone tries to rush to and it's out. I can't think of a specific example, but it feels familiar. Maybe from some of those old school set sitcoms. Um, yeah, I feel like that's just kind of a universal experience. Like I was, I immediately just started thinking about my own cafeteria in high school. Mm-hmm. Our everybody own, was one our yeah, our own, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But like, you know, just when you're in there and everybody, it's like burrito day or something. It's like, oh, I gotta get in line quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do day. remember every yeah. now and then they'd be out of the more popular of the two like yep. entree options they had every day, and you have to go with. Like later in this episode, Jeff's seen with a really sad-looking turkey Manhattan of some mm-hmm. sort. Yeah, yeah. And there was some while stuff everyone you did else not want to touch. So I don't think our high school cafeteria had anything that was so good that we were all like chomping. Speak to get for at yourself, it. Chief, because I had to haul ass to get there to grab my two spicy chicken sandwiches. Mm. Some of yeah. the a la carte stuff was good, but none of the like. This is what you get for your two dollars and a nickel, or for your. <laughs> Uh, a free lunch number or whatever. If uh, I really, really wanted to remember high school again, I would probably be able to tell you what food ran out, but I don't really want to do that. So <laughs> I can't really remember. Yeah, I've <laughs> but so, I remember it happening. You know, you have people always tell you, like, you're going to really miss these days when they're gone. And sure, there are small things that I don't get to do now that I did in high school that I miss. There are certain things that I wish could have gone differently, but not for a second would I give up any of the freedoms that I have now to go back and actually do any of it again or to go into a high school ever again. Yeah, I don't think I've ever said the sentence, I miss high school, because, like, I I don't. (laughs) The amount of people I met in college who basically acted like they were still in high school, like, uh, like the relationship they still had with their parents and stuff, was really, really weird to me. I can relate to that. Maybe, I mean, some with my parents, but... This is such a weird caveat, but I totally relate to, I don't know, even after high school, there's a period of time where you still feel kind of in it and like it's still affecting stuff, even though it shouldn't. And then when you don't anymore and you can, 
you can realize that it's really like, oh my god, this is living. That was to- that was terrible. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think our shit, high school did a lot of good things for me, but I was glad to not look back when I was done. Yeah. I like Troy's line. Uh, when they're all talking about how great the chicken fingers are, talking about how if God were edible, it not would be I'm God, good. but he's not Catholic, <laughs> so he doesn't eat God. <laughs> it's really Are funny. you guys like chicken finger connoisseurs? Is there a place that you think has the best chicken fingers? I haven't ordered a chicken finger tender since I was like six, so no, I do not know. Oh. I still I still mess with those chicken tenders whenever they come around. I live right next to a place called Gus's Fried Chicken. They just do like really long mm. chicken tenders like this long. Okay. Uh, you'll find it everywhere. Del Taco is over here. They just started doing like crispy Ooh. chicken tender stuff. I also live like right 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 next to one, so Yes, I would say I'm a local chicken tender connoisseur. Well, I've just told a least. lie because I tried chicken tenders i think i ordered chicken tenders for the first time since i was six with zachary here because he was such a big fan of the mcdonald's chicken tenders when they came out oh yeah, yeah. they had decent chicken great. tenders for like yeah. what you can get at a fast food establishment yeah and then when they made the glazed chicken tenders that had barbecue sauce on them those are pretty tasty as oh, well i never tried those mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. i don't like it when things are just covered in a liquid then you were on the wrong podcast, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I feel Go like, a, Alex, I kind of feel like remembering you being a little bit of a plain Jane when it came to your yes. food. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've always been touting the hashtag normalize people's food idiosyncrasies. Well, totally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've always been a picky eater my whole life, um, which includes not liking messy food, like, at all. Like, if, if you want to... The worst experience I ever had with, like, condiments, I guess. And this is just a testament to how picky of an eater I am that I have this story ready to go, <laughs> locked and loaded. But there's a place called Buffalo's, um in Bloomington, and I went yeah. there. It's a great place to eat. And uh, I ordered just, like, a barbecue chicken sandwich, and they gave me this, like, one-by-one one square tray that had the sandwich in it. And they poured in so much barbecue sauce that it was literally drowning the bottom half of the sandwich. Like it was a pool of barbecue <laughs> I do sauce. Hate, I do and then they just put the whole sandwich. sandwich inside. Like, I don't just don't know. I just can't trust condiments for those very reasons. They always put too much on for my taste. So whatever. Weird rant out of the way. So do you eat them perfectly plain when you have them, or do you are you like a dipping man yes. at all? You just very plain. often. I'm a perfectly plain guy. Um, yeah. As far as aren't that great, everyone. Fast food chicken tenders that are readily available. I do kind of like the ones at Popeyes. Mm, I've never. uh, I think I've. But the the options are limited here. I don't know those. I haven't had those yet. I think I may have tried the spicy ones. If somebody else had them before, Lee's Chicken. I don't know how local of a place that is. If that's if that's a place not local here. Alex and Steven got out of the town that we all grew up in, and I'm still stuck right here, living the dream. I, we were just reminiscing about Waffle House the other day. Oh, I miss that very much. I like Waffle I've House. had Waffle House within the last two weeks. I'm jealous. Yeah. yeah, same. And Pizza King as well. Pizza King is very good. People like to say Pizza King sucks, and it doesn't. But this is... Well, this those is, people are wrong. They are wrong. <laughs> as everyone's like really antsy to get out of the study room to go get their hands on some chicken fingers, Britta's talking about being a vegetarian. I think it's the first time that she's mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. I feel like this show from 10 years ago, I feel like it's it's the the thought on vegetarianism has changed. Where I feel like you'd be more likely to 
not laugh at someone for being a vegan or a vegetarian on a show. I tell you what, they better not because uh, my girlfriend is a diehard vegan. Get so em. I'm a I'm a big ally, even though I'm a huge hypocrite at the same time. <laughs> I feel the same way. My girlfriend is no longer a vegetarian, but when we started dating, she was a vegetarian. And the first time we went on a date, I asked her if it was all right if I ordered something with meat. And I was so desperate for someone to love me at the time that if she would have said no, I just would have never eaten meat again. I'm a vegetarian. But she said I could, which was, like, thank God. Yeah, especially here, like, in Chicago, and I'm sure part of that's just, like, the way the culture has changed in the last few years, but pretty much every place I go has some sort of impossible burger or, like... Yeah. It has changed a lot over the last couple years. Oh, for sure. Like, just the amount of vegan stuff you can get in, like, the frozen aisle at your local grocery yeah. store has exploded. And how in, like, good it is, too. Years. It's good. I feel like it's a lot it's easier good. to be, at least in terms of, like, available food options in a store, like, not just, like, eating literal vegetables and fruits all the time, right? Like, you can actually, like, buy things that taste good and yeah. still be a yeah. vegan, which is cool. Yeah. Tying those last two fast food restaurants and veganism together... White Castle, um, they've been doing a lot of vegan stuff lately. The Impossible Slider's not bad. I miss those places, too. It's I, not bad. I placed one of my normal orders from White Castle where I get the meal that's designed for two people because it comes with two drinks and two sets of fries and, like, 20 sliders. <laughs> and yeah. they, like, messed up my order and gave me the wrong one, but it was, like, 20 Impossible Sliders, and, oh, my God, they were solid. I ate how did you feel? Yeah. How did you feel after the 20 Impossible Sliders? <laughs> you know, I didn't think it was possible to feel the same, but whatever it is that makes White Castle do what it does to you, it's not the meat. <laughs> <laughs> Britta talks about how she's really sensitive to them being so antsy about chicken, I guess, because her cat has diabetes and is really sick, and she's going to have to put her cat down. And I really like the awkwardness of, of everyone, like really ready to get out of their seats into the cafeteria but not really wanting to be rude and then one by one they're just like okay we gotta go we gotta go and Shirley stays until Britta gives her permission to leave I think it's a really nice scene I think this whole opening scene did a really great job of setting up a lot of stuff for the episode that's about to happen uh, while still being like what we're used to seeing out of the show Yeah, more great physical comedy from Donald Glover with him sliding across the table literally his way jumping out. over the table <laughs> Um, I don't know if you guys have talked about this on the show before, but something that always really peeved me about mm-hmm. this first season was how they cut down the intro for s- basically every, every episode. episode. Okay. Yeah. I think I- of the entire season, they've used the full theme song maybe twice. Maybe. And after uh, this, there's only a few more episodes left in the first season. And yeah, I don't know. I it's really usually like it a cut happens. for time kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. But, man, it just sucks a lot of the soul out of the show. If, if Leaves you feeling so continue, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, like, it happens to – it's always sunny at a random point at, yeah. in the later part of the show, too. And I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Anyway, I'm glad you guys have talked about it. I totally agree with you. I'm a strong uh, naysayer of the skip intro button uh, for, me for most too. shows. I turned it off. I haven't Ooh. gotten that far, but I there was a on the interactive Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt special that came out not that long ago. Uh, they have a really great theme song, and if you pick if you touch the skip intro button, it like punishes you. It like goes nice. to a cutscene like punishing you for skipping it, and then it sends you back to the beginning of it. As it should, I still have to really funny. I need to. It's really fun. So everyone's going to get their chicken fingers, and they're out of them. Uh, Jeff and Troy have a really funny moment. 
where Donald Glover is like saying what he hears the chicken fingers saying to him, like calling to him, but it's a a, a girl who was interested in him in him saying these things in the background. Uh, <laughs> Donald Glover's acting of it is really funny, but the logistics of this is pretty weird. Do do they mention this girl anymore? Is it no, just this one little bit? I was like, did I did I forget about this girl for some no, reason? No, you sure but, didn't. Yeah. Unless we yeah. also did. But I listen, don't, I don't Troy's think got so. got ladies around. He's a handsome guy. He's popular. Yeah, yeah. He was star of the football team. The one yeah. week they had it. <laughs> <laughs> but like. I don't know the way she's like yelling at him over the crowd just to like hi hello. Did you, I don't know. It's a little awkward and weird and random of a thing to put in here. But I like the way Donald does the Troy Troy. He's like, did you get my text? Saying <laughs> out with her. She sounds like a chicken finger. <laughs> it is really sad when you go to a place and you're expecting to get something and they're out of it. I don't remember it happening as much in the cafeteria as it does like when I go to a McDonald's or something. Mm-hmm. Pierce gets this funny little non sequitur where he's yelling at the lunch lady and she doesn't talk back, so he chastises her and then she has a little piece of paper that she slips him that explains that she had throat surgery or something and that's why she can't talk. It reminded me of Joaquin Phoenix's The Joker. Yeah, I was just going to say, I I thought the condition. (laughs) Did you see The Joker, Alex? I did see it. What did you guys think? I feel like by asking that, I already know you didn't like it that much. Well, I just love hearing what everybody else has to say. I thought I... – go ahead, Zach. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. No, no. Okay. I I enjoyed it. You loved it, it more. But I enjoyed it, but I hated the way it was perceived by so many people when I don't think it was – and the movie didn't do a perfect job at it, but I don't think the movie was – glorifying the stuff that he does and it was seen as such and that being said if you take away Joaquin Phoenix's performance in that movie there's no movie it wasn't like anything mind-blowing but it was fine I I suppose not Oscar worthy I I yeah I don't think the movie itself was Oscar worthy for sure I thought that Joaquin Phoenix did a really good job in it um I liked it I don't think I liked it as much as some people seem to um, the thing for me that I thought they did well in that movie was a lot of times in movies when somebody like shoots somebody and they die, like it's very movie like. And in that movie, it was very like they were shot, they dropped, and I, that I thought they did really, really well. And those were my thoughts. Yeah, I don't disagree there. And I, yeah. I think that the uh, not being able to hold the laugh back that that's like a uh, that being an added character trait to the Joker is mm-hmm. something that'll stick with me. I think His that laugh was really. Was like, ah. <laughs> I think that was really well done. But that yeah. being said, I couldn't tell you just about anything about what the movie was about or. Yeah, he had a whole love interest, mm-hmm. didn't he? Who didn't exist by yeah, the end of it? Yeah, it was imagined. Yeah. 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 Okay. I yeah I I'm like similarly split on the movie. I think formally it's really good looking. Like mm-hmm. it, it definitely deserved an Oscar nom for cinematography. I actually met the cinematographer. Uh, oh, cool. for joker a uh, little while uh, it, they were having some sort of like cinematographer event a bunch of people were there roger deakins was there it was fun That's anyway awesome. i met him it's cool um so like it really was shot a very 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 well mm-hmm. um of course joaquin phoenix um is amazing in just about anything he does um i really admired the commitment to really transforming this character that i mean i am not going to be a fan of superheroes for really 
the rest of my life probably but um i really enjoy the fact that joker exists like they decided to take this huge risk risk yeah yeah that being said from a story standpoint i don't really think it's it's definitely like like fraternity philosophy in my eyes Mm -hmm. um it's just it's kind of depicting a society that has roots in truth but the society depicted in joker to me doesn't really actually exist it's definitely like a uh, sensationalized version of the the things that it Mm. wants you to draw like real world parallels Mm -hmm. between the joker and real life i'm like give me a break you guys come on like it's a superhero film i just i just don't believe in these movements that you're cribbing from the headlines and trying to apply them to joker's world Mm -hmm. i believe in that completely all of the controversy around that movie was so awful and strange and yeah not really surprising but i don't know yeah yeah definitely a sensitive moment for that movie to come out um oh i absolutely yeah yeah, like the the controversy you're talking about, how like you know, it was, it, people were worried about it was promoting right wing violence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely like a kind of a hypocritical statement yeah. to say about any movie that comes out, given the ones that we celebrate. Mm. Um, talking about Goodfellas, yeah, <laughs> yeah, talking about Goodfellas, like Martin Scorsese. Oh, he can do nothing wrong, but he can film a bunch of people be an asshole and kill a bunch of people mm-hmm. for two and a half hours, and we eat it up. Like that's all fine and good. Like your your comment about the violence in the movie, Stephen, I think is is something that um, I, I I really look for in movies that are going to be violent. Yeah. And I guess I take this philosophy myself whenever I'm like writing stuff. Is that I think you should always be scared by violence, yeah. No matter what's going on in the film, like if it's pushing a a leftist version of you know the world, then I think you should be scared of the violence. If it's pushing a right wing version of the world. I think you should really be scared of <laughs> yeah. what's going on in that movie. Um, yeah, so like, no matter the subject matter, I do really enjoy it when when this is a really weird thing to say, but I do really enjoy it when films that involve murder show murder about as realistically as possible because it. Do, I'm because not it's a big that, deal. Like, yeah, it's a yeah, big thing when it happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's not as if watching murders in film is going to make you a violent person, but if you don't really understand the implications of murder, even from a physical standpoint, yeah. then you're not really going to look at these headlines today and say, oh, people are dying well. Eh, eh, eh. Like, yeah, right. You actually care about what happens. Like, did you guys see um, Uncut Gems? I, I haven't, haven't seen it yet. yet. But you like I, oh my god, you guys! Yeah, yes, I know. I, have, I know it's. I've phenomenal. got a poster on the wall right here. It was definitely my favorite movie of last year. But there is an act of violence at the end of that movie that really scared me when I watched it. Mm. Um, so that's that's the kind of stuff that, like, you know, when I'm watching whatever, if it's Community, I love Community because Community makes me feel things. I love, you know. Similarly, like that when something's else. trying to make you feel something dark, it, yeah. it, it yeah. actually make you feel it. I completely agree. Yeah. And to liken it back to Goodfellas, there was one moment in Goodfellas that shocked me. Uh, Towards the end of the first half of the film, um, I don't know if it's it's really spoiling so much a movie that came out however long ago it did. 30 years ago. Yeah, when uh, Joe Pesci kills the the young kid. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not really surprised that it happened, but it, the way it happened, like, jostled me a little yeah. bit. But that was one of only yeah. a very few moments in that film that made me feel much of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I really like how this episode introduces things like the sexy dreadlock guy. Yeah. Uh, 
just to have it for this episode to to give the characters a desire to have fulfilled later um here is they're sitting in the cafeteria this is that scene that i feel like we mentioned for a second where britta's like analyzing the way Abed's a little harsh to people when he says things because he just says bluntly what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's a really great interaction when Abed like takes in the criticism that Brittig gives to him and then is immediately like, this tells me so much about you. And he says <laughs> bluntly what he thinks about Britta because of what she said to him. I think it's a really funny line. Yeah, and I like that because a lot of times Britta especially says things to Abed trying to help him, but he doesn't really need their help. So he's like, oh, you're just you're confiding because you want some advice from me? Sure, I got gotcha, you, you know. <laughs> and you not just Abed either. She kind of does it to everyone a little bit, at least this yep. version of the character. But we're getting really close to when she just becomes like the punching bag of the group, which I, as we've talked about before, I have different feelings about that too. But Mm -hmm. they both, uh, Gillian Jacobs does both versions of the character really well. Yeah. This episode features Starburns a lot, which is great. This is when we see that he's, so he's the fry cook of the chicken fingers and he has like a secret stash that he's bringing to people that he wants to think he's cool. Uh, The way this is all captured is really well. You know, the study group seeing it and 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 jealous of it in the way that Starburns has his like shrug like well <laughs> what do you know and Jeff's line of he's just doing this so they will t- treat him like he's not Starburns <laughs> yeah i think it's what we were talking about earlier about um how Jeff has an ego he needs people's affection Abed in a similar way needs people's affections i think it's really interesting how every time there's like some schnook who needs to be ousted from doing something creepy it's always starburns it's always the yes he like throughout the entire series and they just take it weirder and weirder and i'm very much looking forward and starburns was just one of those like one joke one episode characters you know they got uh, dino to just fill in and do it for one of the very first episodes and then it was such a weird funny (laughs) thing that helps make Greendale and the like spirit of what this show is it, it's just so in tune to it that of course they have to use them whenever they get a chance to yeah I think it's awesome the study group decides it can't slide and that they have to do something about it and this totally immediately Abed sees what's going here what's going on here and that starts the whole goodfellas freeze frame voiceover trope that they use in this and I think they do it really well well and one of my favorite things about them using that in this episode is is how like as soon as Abed decided that it was a mob movie, it just like it happens immediately. It There's was. nothing like yeah. no fanfare. It's just it's what it is, you know. And it's because we're living in Abed's world. Abed is is the narrator of and, our story. Yeah. I love it. I like that in the episode when it goes to mob movie territory. There's still a very firm line of reality where either it's freeze frame and there's voiceover or while he's giving voiceover, Abed's literally standing there making the face, like thinking in his head. <laughs> the way, and yeah. we're just seeing it through his angle. You know, everything's happening. I mean, even though this isn't a very realistic scenario, they they still have a firm line of what is and isn't breaking the fourth wall. And I think they do it really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jeff sets up Abed to be the, the fry cook for... They want to, like, out Starburns by complaining about him cheating and make Abed the new fry cook. I don't quite get Abed's uh, Abed's claim of, I don't think we're watching the same Mafia movie. I didn't quite get what he meant there, that being the fry cook wasn't his idea of I being, think like, so, the boss. Or... I think when, when Jeff says it, he's like, well, we have the most important job for you. It's like when you tell the kid that's, like, you know, mm. cracking the egg that it's the most important part of making the cake. 
he kind of says it in that sort of way to Abed, and Abed's like, uh, you know, I I want to. He was excited role. for it to be his thing, and then he kind of got pushed to the pushed background. Pushed to the side, of it. yeah. Mm. Uh, something that was interesting from the audio commentary for this episode, the runner of Jeff using, like, pulling his hands together to get everyone quiet Mm -hmm. was something that wasn't scripted for this episode and came up, like, on the set as they were filming it. Wow. And then it's a pretty strong framing device through several parts of the episode. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the script probably said something along the lines of, like, Jeff gets everyone quiet and that it became this, like, visual cue. I I think it works really well. I think so, too. Um, Especially because, like, in watching it through... You know, obviously the second time, third time you see earlier on in the episode when he does it and it does work, you know, and so it, it makes it all the more, uh, I don't know if powerful is the right word, but it's very clear that he, you know, when he starts to lose his grasp. Well, it's not the first time he's yeah. done it ever. There mm-hmm. was at least one other time where he did it to make people be quiet and it worked. Yeah. All of these great montages of Abed speaking over what's going on and 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 talking about how Jeff was the leader and I don't know he's like if you're not gonna put me in the position that I want to be in this situation I'm gonna gonna frame it in a way that makes myself the, yeah. the part in it that I want to be I love the line of this is when we stopped being a family and it started being a family in italics that's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a great line all of the moments of like fifties doo wop music playing underneath whatever they're doing, you know, with with Britta getting cozy with Starburns and flirty to help ease him into getting caught. Have you guys noticed something that community loves to do with these high concept episodes? Is that they always play with the passage of time, mm-hmm. where it's like you to properly set up what happens in this episode would take like an entire semester maybe of the school year, um, but they run through it all so quickly and it could have been so a few day. days. It, it, could, yeah. it could have been a day. Yeah. That's something I really love about the way Community tackles these episodes. It's like the it has self awareness, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it. It just kind of runs. It like it runs with the structure of Goodfellas essentially. Mm-hmm. It trusts like, okay, his well, audience enough to that you're just going to go with whatever they're doing that week, and we totally do. Yeah, uh, yeah. As for the it's part of the charm, the trivia on the newspaper, it popped up there for a second. It said, uh, "I don't know the first few words, but it said not the 1994 sci-fi." <laughs> 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 I totally feel like we've talked a lot about how Greendale is kind of like a sandbox, and it can really be whatever you need it to be in the episode. And the people yeah. in Greendale are kind of like Springfield and The Simpsons, yeah. where they'll band together and be an angry mob over whatever, whenever, <laughs> Truly. to yeah. suit the story, yeah. and it's really funny. Or like, it makes me think of the the workers in the office at Arrested Development, Yeah, how they, they're just like sheep that can literally be herded into wherever <laughs> they need to go. Wherever you need to be for the plot, yeah. Yeah, they're doing all these things to set up this this dynasty that they're building. You know, Shirley makes it so no one other than who they want can apply for the job and uh abed uses that he he worked in his father's falafel restaurant to get him the interview and then we get the trump reference in the episode which was a pretty good donald trump impression circa that year especially it really was i I was surprised i could see it being one of the things where like chevy god rest his soul uh (laughs) it's actually his birthday as of recording right now oh shoot happy birthday Oh, Friend no. of the show, Chevy yeah. Chase. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he's listening. 
Uh, I don't think he has much else to do right now. Um, he, I feel like this is probably one of those things where he's like, well, if they're going to make me do an impression, I'm going to I'm gonna do my Chevy Chase bit on it. Mm-hmm. I think Chevy has a pretty good episode here for the most part. I do too. Honestly. He's He handles his role. There's a really funny, like, Chevy Chase physical acting thing that I'm sure nobody directed him to do later on <laughs> that I want to point out because when I saw it, it made I me laugh. I think I know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because when you think about, I'm sure you guys have talked about like Chevy's role on set and how much like of a nuisance he was throughout filming this. So far, it's been hard to know. Like, we don't know exactly when that started happening. Mm -hmm. Was like in the in this season, it's just been more like speculation. I think was he really that bad? Like from the jump, and they definitely in the season one audio commentaries uh, talk about him. I don't know. They kind of make fun of him a little bit, and you can tell that he he's kind of tough on some people or that he kind of does what he wants to do and makes it very clear when he's being told to do something he doesn't want to do. Well, I happen to have a little bit of insider info um, from an unnamed source that I don't even know personally, but um, uh, I'm pretty close to this source, and they, they worked on community um, in the early going and basically kind of from the start. From what I understand, you shouldn't take this as gospel, but um, Chevy was just pretty, like, basically kind of there to collect a check, and um, he frequently wouldn't, like, memorize his lines on set. They had to be fed to him right as they're shooting his stuff, which I think if most of that or any of that is true, I think that's kind of, it's really, really awful on Chevy's part, but it's also really impressive the takes that they get (laughs) when he's doing, like, these... Uh, physical comedy bits like if like before the Trump Tower thing like if they just said okay well you need to do your best Donald Trump impression like that's the first time he heard that before right, they started right. rolling You're right. like yeah it's like I Pierce is like my stealth MVP for this episode um, and for many episodes because he's just they always give him something crazy to do that they can just get a take of him that he nails um, so it's a like a it's a testament to his talent yeah. and how he has even though he's not been a big name for long before a community started that he's like a presence with enough clout because of the stuff that he's done that he can kind of get away with doing whatever yeah. he wants and and yeah. especially a show like this I'm sure I'm, they were absolutely like oh hell yeah Chevy Chase is going to be on our show mm-hmm. because yeah. it's a draw none of these people were really big names when this show started. Yeah. For uh, sure, it totally transparent higher, but like they kind of knocked it out of the park with even you know with the way it ended up with him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, it's funny that you say that he's your stealth MVP because I feel like watching it now, a couple years older, uh, it's it's I don't know. When I was younger, Pierce was like definitely my favorite character, and I thought he was so funny. And now it's kind of hit or miss on Pierce a little bit. I do feel like there are episodes where you can kind of tell that Chevy like wasn't trying as hard. Yeah, there yeah, was the sure. the one that we've noticed was Basic Genealogy, where it's about his stepdaughter who Jeff has like a sexual fling with, and it just seems like he was not trying the whole time. Or like whenever they try to make him do something with a little bit of an emotional edge, that he you can tell that he doesn't really like doing that sort of thing. Yeah, friend of the show, yeah. Catherine McPhee. <laughs> If I keep saying friend of the show before everyone's maybe name, it'll happen. Yeah. We'll, we'll, I just well, want Chevy Chase did me, like one of our Instagram photos once. He did. So really, yeah. the door is wide open. <laughs> Chevy, we're here. We, you know, we'll cut everything Alex just said about you. No problem. Just come <laughs> hey, on. Hey Chevy. Hey Chevy. You were a dumb racist on set. <laughs> come on over. 
Chevy, we don't care. We'll pay that $250 cameo fee. <laughs> Just come on over. Give us a little blurb. Say something racist on our show. Let's talk a uh, Christmas vacation, Chevy. A lot of questions. I'm sure he would love to do that. We'll talk about Fletch all you want, <laughs> Chevy. I drive by uh, Chevy Chase Boulevard pretty often around here. It's kind of weird to see. That's great. You know, I, after all the While great we're talking about tearing down old... Uh, Confederate statues monuments. and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> let's get that Chevy street sign out of here. So they're I doing mean, uh, they're doing the job interviews, and the, it's a really weird where they have Troy dress up as a pharaoh, but like with a jacket on, and he goes to the interview and just like does that classic Donald like dead stare that he does sometimes, and it reminded me of. I feel like you guys probably both have watched Nathan for you, yeah, yeah. Oh yes, it reminded me show. of the almost like the little kid interview where Nathan had like an earpiece in and he was at a job interview and yes. he just said exactly what like an eight year old kid oh, told yeah. him to say. Yeah, yeah. I think stuff like that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked to have seen more of what happened in in Troy's interview, right? But, but whatever. <laughs> so now that Abed is the fry cook, he's totally running the thing. He's the immediate supply of chicken. You know, he brings it out to his study group and they're all very happy and pleased with him uh jeff still thinks he's like the head of this train even though abed is now the the boss and he kind of handed it away to him and props to the uh sorry props to the production design for making these chicken fingers oh, they look, look so, so good, good. They do every look shot so good. i bet they were cold but i still would have ate so many if i had to sit around mm-hmm. and eat them i noticed Later, there's a shot of the Dean eating them, and he's just, like, sucking the ketchup off of them, you know, because they're trying to get the right continuity so you can't take a bite out. I'm sure it was actually miserable, but they sure did make it look good. Yeah. Uh, Shirley's unnamed sexy dreadlocks guy is taking notice of her now just because her table has chicken wing- or chicken fingers. Yeah, I, I like when pretty she, funny like, that- you know, gives it to him, and she's like, the name Shirley, memorize it. <laughs> I will, Shirley. But we do you never think learned it's his name. Weird. Do you think it's weird that um, both Shirley and Troy both have, like, one-off sort of love interests for this episode that pretty much never come back? <laughs> right? You know, they're getting busy. They're getting theirs. Yeah. So, well, so I still I don't just... understand at all the point yeah. of the Troy one. Was it just so that he could make that chicken finger joke? <laughs> I think it was probably just a throwaway joke. But it makes it – it just – I don't know. You see you see the same thing happen with Shirley, she, um, even though – Troy's was just a joke, and this is Shirley's like storyline for the episode. I I don't know. I just think it's interesting they went there both yeah. times. I think well, if I think there's maybe, a go ahead, it makes a little bit of sense with Shirley because she's like sort of fresh after a divorce. Her ex-husband is with somebody else, and sexy dreadlocks guy is probably just more of a fantasy than of like someone she has any type of feelings for. So for her yeah. to be chasing some tail, I feel like that kind of works a little bit. And I feel like all the time we're seeing characters that show up and then. I don't know. There was the joke on Boy Meets World that, like, the fourth wall of the school, if anybody walks that direction, they'll, they're never seen again. Yeah. You know, Greendale oh. kind of has the same way where it's like if you walk in a certain direction, it's just you've gotten lost behind the couch. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fine. <laughs> it's fine that we never see these people again. But the Troy one is yeah. especially weird. Well, so for Troy, for me at least, when I think of, like, the world outside of the show, I think he's the one in the study group that I see the most, like, not even necessarily dating, but you know, being approached by people around. I mean, I'm sure Jeff does too and have girls give him, you know, their number and stuff to some degree. But, you know, I could see Troy being in a science class and a girl coming up to him and him not really thinking anything. I'd be like, oh, sure, I'll text you. 
you know and <laughs> but he's he's talking to abed he's not worried about it uh this is when it starts being clear that abed is kind of taking things in his own hands because he gave some chicken to chang and everyone gets mad at him for doing stuff behind their back and they think that he's gonna get caught like starburns did but he wins it out in the end because he's getting everyone a better grade in spanish because of this and uh this starts the whole thing of Jeff starting to realize that he doesn't have the power in the situation that he wanted, and he's starting to feel kind of insecure about it. Um, I really like what they do with Jeff in this episode. I don't know if it's... It's still not a character that I like a whole lot, but I, I, I like what we see him go through in this episode. The look that he gives right here is everyone's happy yeah. with Abed, and he's just kind of sinking into his seat and yeah. taking a bite and thinking about how he can fix this for himself. Yeah, I think it's interesting that like whenever Jeff gets dethroned on the show, it's usually Abed's mm-hmm. doing some way, Absolutely. shape, or form. Yeah, you're you're very That's right. That's true. So now we get another uh, voiceover montage where you know the chicken's always gone for the people who aren't connected to Abed, and we're starting to see what this this uh, this this thing that they built ha- is becoming. You know, they're putting chicken in trash bags and bringing it to the secret room where they can package it up and ship it out. Uh, the way that they shot this scene and the way that this construction line of or whatever, this conveyor belt of putting this all together, how it works, when, like how Alex mentioned, you know, they probably put this together in like 20 minutes or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's really effective. Dan Harmon mentioned on the commentary that that scene where they're all putting the chicken in boxes, he was like watching from like a live feed and, you know, in his office counting mm-hmm. his money and smoking his cigars. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he, uh, I guess that scene like just looked all wrong and it looked to him like, like a science lab or something. So he came down and like rearranged everything to look the way that it does. And, and I, I think, think it pays like off. Kinda yeah. Cool. It looks great. Cause it doesn't, I want to know how it looked. Right. I do this. too. Cause it looks like, like in the yeah. movies, like even oops. And I'm sure this was a conscious decision, but even down to having Britta, like in like the sleeveless thing, whereas normally be, you know, people in their underwear counting and sorting the drugs yeah. and stuff. Even that to me is like a nice. Yeah. It's good detail. The, this has a lot of the Goodfellas things where they're talking. It's kind of like when Henry's a kid in Goodfellas and they're talking about how we're, uh, you know, stealing things from them and then selling it back to them and they don't even notice yeah. and they don't even care. Yeah. It, it's a really, yeah. really great homage and it works really well for the silly story that they're telling. Yeah, it does. Um, they're just in with everyone, bribing anyone that can help them or give them anything with chicken. Uh, you, like we see Starburns trying to <laughs> rat out the study group uh, and the dean doesn't even care because they've got him, just like in mafia movies. You know, the cops don't care because... They're paying off the mm-hmm. cops with the money they're getting from selling the cigarettes on the street and stuff like that. Exactly. I think it's really funny. And, of course, the dean would be corrupt. Mm-hmm. Well, he yeah. Now we're in the study room, and we see everyone's, like, uh, fits of grandeur, like what they can get when they have the power. And I feel like I need to pose the question, like, what would you guys go for if you had this kind of uh, small-ish scale mob power that you could kind of have what you want at your side? I'd probably go either the the Troy route with the AV club hookup or, you know, something along, like, the Brita's lines. I wouldn't mind somebody just doing my hair all day. That'd be nice. Yeah, I guess I would probably, uh, I'd be inclined to agree with you, Steven. I'd definitely uh, want that technology hookup. But I'd probably use it more politically to uh, just put my face in front of everybody in go. school, for sure. I would go that direction. The, the TV is nice that Pierce gets, but I think it could have gone a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. I would have gone a little bit bigger with it. 
yeah. we see Pierce with he's playing video games with his really generic posse of people. <laughs> you know there's the this gu- was one of my favorite jokes in the show the guy with his hackneyed on yeah. the guy with the turban yeah. and on the whiteboard yeah. definitely on his like there his likes and his like needs and under his needs was like guy with turban <laughs> <laughs> I love how a lot of times Pierce's brand of being a racist is like trying to do things that make him look better or like. I don't know. He'll like announce like I'm not going to do this because it'll be racist, and then everyone's like, "Well, you just said it, or you just did it." It's the same thing. Yeah, I think yeah. it's really funny. All of these people that are, I'm assuming, being paid with chicken just to act like they like hanging out around Pierce. Uh, yeah, Pierce embodied that that period of like wholesome racists, I guess, who are always like, "I don't want to be racist, but." You know, I'm just trying to make everybody happy while just being racist. Right? Like, at look the at same my friend group. Instead of what we got right now. It would be easier to laugh at Pierce's shenanigans if the actor portraying him was clearly not that. <laughs> yeah. Like, kind of like how It's Always Sunny is. All of those people are terrible, but you know that they're doing it from a perspective of, like, they're laughing at what they're yeah. doing. Where Chevy yeah, was like, yeah. oh, look at how many gay and black jokes I get this week. I can't wait. I've been, <laughs> really I've been working the on jokes. these for years. Yeah. It's like in the last episode we watched how you could see – I had not seen Chevy so excited to do a scene in a sh- – like acting out a scene as he was yelling about Jeff being gay. I thought <laughs> – The cookie wizard, bro. <laughs> yeah. 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 People have mentioned before here in the scene where we're seeing what everybody's desire was, that it's indicative of them not exactly knowing what they wanted to do with Britta as a character yet because the only yeah. thing she wants is someone to do her hair for her when you know like – they all have something specific. <laughs> Shirley has her her like man candy that she that she's hungry after. You know, Pierce has the the posse that he's always wanted. Uh, it makes sense that Troy would want a monkey and a dirt bike to ride around on. It, I I think and I guess Annie's is a little vague too, but it just shows that like the the male characters as a whole that have more quirks that they can play to. Yeah. Whereas like oh, Britta's an attractive woman. She'd probably just want someone to brush her hair for her. Because yeah, because Britta's entire, you know, personality trait for the first couple episodes is I'm a feminist who Jeff wants to sleep with, you know, and she hasn't really gotten to grow too much from that. She's had a couple episodes I think that were really great for her like growing, but like you said, it's it's clear they didn't it's really getting know what better, to do. but it, it, it yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like even still, Britta would be like the last person to accept some human labor on her I own also th- body. Yeah. You know? Well, even there, there was the early episode where she it was like the female bathroom politics mm-hmm. and how she was going on a tirade about how women just feel like they need to primp and preed themselves and how uh, yeah. that's, and yeah. then here she is doing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Jeff walks in to see everything that's going on and how everyone is is getting all these nice things. And Jeff hasn't done anything like that. I'm a little bit surprised that he wouldn't jump into that and get something on his own. But, of course, he's just mad at the at the, the power distribution here because Abed is making all this happen for all of the people. that, Even though he probably wouldn't make anything happen for them, he wants to be the person who would do it if yeah. he was. Uh, it's one of these scenes that kind of mirrors Jeff and Pierce a little bit, like the way that they feel left out of situations a lot of time and how angry that makes them. Mm -hmm. You know, he calls out Troy's monkey for the first time. This is the first time we meet Annie's boobs, which is a big moment for the show, but a joke that I always thought was way too played out. Shirley Um, even kind of says, you know, in this episode, she's like, we get it, the monkey's name is Annie's boobs. (laughs) Yeah, Annie has her big backpack with a million zippers, and I love the excited dance that she does with her backpack. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Allison is always doing, like, really funny dances like this and stuff. I don't know. I think she's really funny. When they let Annie be a little bit more silly than they typically let her be. Yeah. I like the the dreadlocks guy is, like, giving her a polite clap and... I also like that as soon I thought that was going to go on for a long yeah. time when I was watching that. <laughs> I also like I wouldn't have been mad. Yeah. I like that as soon as like she sees that people see her, she's like, "Okay, dance move." And she resorts to like what she knows, which is just the robot, and I think that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I Yeah, dance. as soon as somebody looks, I'm I like, just... "Oh, this is what this is what I got for you." Hey, yo. <laughs> I'm definitely a stand at the edge of everyone who is dancing while they're dancing kind of thing. It's like You don't even dancing. like <laughs> you don't even like slink slink a little bit and just kind of do this. I mean, I do a little bit. Okay, maybe I slink a little. It's all on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm at the age where like I'm going to a lot of weddings now, and that makes it weird. I'm like not sure what to do. Oh, Zachary, you know you should ask your good friend Stephen for some advice for dancing at weddings. Because I don't know if you knew this, but most of my job is teaching people how to dance at weddings. <laughs> I had no idea that that's wow. what you did. It is. I always, I don't know. I don't know what I thought you did. <laughs> not that. I thought you were like a lifeguard or something. <laughs> I have not changed my occupation since my senior year of high school. Yeah, correct. I still see you the same as I did in, in, in high school. <laughs> that's fine. Jeff kicks out everyone who's not relevant from the room and tries to figure out what's going on and to like kind of put an end to it. And this is when we first start seeing that he's really lost control of the people and they're all like, oh, Abed's got it under control. And this is kind of a more subtle, you know, the mob movie uh, trope of, you know, someone comes up with all the people who are in charge and then they try to start doing their side action and the people who are in charge, like, retaliate. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the best, like, it's clearly an homage of that, but it works really well with the character dynamics of the show. And it doesn't exactly feel like an homage in every way that they deal with it. And I think it's it's really good. Yeah, I love seeing, you know, one of my favorite things about these, like, mob movies when people are going up is you see how respect shifts, you know, Mm -hmm. from the, you know, this guy's been in charge forever, he's the Don, we're all about it. But then this new guy who's coming up giving favors, giving gifts, the loyalties and respects, you know, do a 180. And I love watching that happen here, kind of both directions because the study group is quick to, something... to, to abandon Jeff anyway, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's something I've always found is very interesting about, like, mafia dynamics. Like, I was thinking about this when watching Goodfellas. And just the way the characters end up at the end of the movie, it just feels like it's just total luck whether or not you get to be, like, a Paul mm-hmm. or something. So, mm-hmm. it's just really... I never understood the... If I were in the mafia like that, I guess I'd always be looking over my shoulder. I don't know if I could live like that. Live long enough to where you're the oldest one who's been doing it the longest and no one's killed you or you've never gone to jail or ratted anyone out. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, like, somebody's going to come along. They're not going to respect your age or your power. Boom, you're dead. That's why you got to keep You should join the mafia. It seems like you've got a good, like, (laughs) outsider perspective on it. You think yeah, they, yeah, I'm they trying to scare everybody right now. <laughs> Say, hey, I know I'm new. Yeah. Um, I got some ideas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey guys, I really think uh, we could clean it up around here and start being way more productive. <laughs> Do you have a lot of anxiety a lot when you guys are mobbing? Because I, I have some, <laughs> some thoughts. Yeah, so everyone, it's one of those really great scenes of community where everyone's talking over each other and, and Jeff, can't, uh, Jeff can't cut him off anymore. So he decides to go to the power source at the time, which is Abed. And this is when we see Abed doing his, like, one-on-ones with people where they tell him what they can do for him, and he tells them how many chicken fingers that they get for that. 
and you know Jeff cuts the line and Abed lets him in. Two o three is the room number. Two o three. See, even oh, now that we're doing could... that, I don't look at stuff like that. <laughs> that woman right there, she is. Um... She's she shows up. Her name's Kelsey Gunn. She shows up a few times here on Community, which is really fun. But I know her from an online video troupe called Five Second Films. I'm I know Five Second Films. Sure. Oh, wow. She definitely yeah. showed me them. Yeah. Yeah. She's like a she's like a regular. I mean, they stopped doing it a long time ago. But it's she's been like a regular part of Five Second Films. I have, like that all was through like drawn high school. out of my out of my I don't know nostalgia. I haven't looked at anything like that in a long time. But I remember some of them being really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love this to death. I always think it's funny when she shows up here in the show. They totally predated something like Vine. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Where that was for like sure. such a big thing, those little skits and yeah. So this is when we get that classic whiteboard. You know, there's so much stuff going on here. Um like Pierce admi- Pierce likes admiration, he likes Shirley, he likes gadgets and he likes to be streets ahead. Uh, surely two of her likes are Jesus and baby Jesus. And one mm-hmm. of them's just blank, which is very indicative of how the writers never knew exactly what to put for her. Mm-hmm. So yeah. is it it's oh. Jeff then that doesn't have any needs on his? Because everyone else does. Is that what one of the questions was? Yeah. He doesn't have any needs? Yeah. I would think yeah. so. I would think so. Pierce needs a guy named Travis. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of kind of chose a loophole, but he did get his Travis. Mm-hmm. Abed's just totally put this down to a formula and what everybody needs, not just of the study group and the whole school, how he can – I don't know. This is kind of when we're starting to get into the part of this episode that's more introspective of Abed. Mm-hmm. It's almost a little bit complex to put into words really clearly how – I don't know. He's going past the movie – the the homage that he's doing a little bit and it's becoming a little bit more real and i don't know it's just an interesting way to see how his brain works yeah yeah Uh, to go back just a second i noticed on jeff's board the camera doesn't show up but when it first cuts to jet or jeff here it actually uh pans up just or tilts up just a little bit and it does show there's something yeah i couldn't make out what that was it looks like he does have some needs yeah it's just one thing though I'm not gonna go back. We could. It's a mystery. We'll never know. We'll leave it. We'll leave it to the viewers. Go. I don't write think us home. Tell, us, tell us what Jeff's needs are. Tell us what your needs are. I but. really like Abed methodically preparing his drink, and then ends up being an ice cream yeah. float. <laughs> there was yeah. like a brief totally second where he pulled thing. up the like the you know decanter full of root beer and it's pouring it in there, and I'm like, huh, what is that? Yeah. I was like, Wait a minute, <laughs> it's Abed. <laughs> I think it's interesting they didn't go with a special drink yeah, for that. Yeah, that would have been good. Um, I always also thought it was interesting how that joke kind of got repeated for a couple episodes and then never showed up ever again. Yeah. There are a lot of little things like that in community, but yeah. they all stick with us. I've never tried special yeah. drink, but I'm certainly familiar with it. Mm-hmm. We can see here yeah. Jeff has two things there. Oh, okay. I have no idea what those say. I can't see it very well. I want to say the top one says admiration because yes. on pierce's see it also now. says admiration mm-hmm. but i mean i'm just law degree it says law, he needs a law degree, degree. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's funny. nice so jeff is just trying to get abed to come down from this because it's turning into something real and he doesn't like that and he's trying to get abed to stop doing the the mob movie thing and abed explains how that's not really what it is to him anymore 
now it's how he can understand people and communicate with them and how he can get people to communicate with him. He can be the center of attention. Like, I don't know, he doesn't outwardly show that he wants to be the center of attention all the time, but I think it's it's clear that he feels like there's a wall between him and other people, and this is like breaking that wall a little bit. Yeah. But it's not real. It's because he's giving people stuff, you know, which a lot of the the pleasures of the mob lifestyle that's what it is it's because you can put money in people's pockets and and have be the chain of supply of what people need all the time it has nothing to do with what people actually think of you this is a very intense moment between the two of them it's it's definitely like one of the first major instances of like abed saying hey jeff you know you aren't as cool as you think you are i see what you're doing and i can do it too yeah yeah yeah, exactly. And the cr- scary thing about Abed is that for him, it's like a switch. He can just flip it on or off. He can know everything you need to know about a person just by talking to them for yeah. two minutes. Well, his very first line in the very first episode is, you know, Jeff asks – well, it's not his very first line, but that first little blurb, Jeff asks him something about Britta. And he's like, from the one conversation I had with her, I can tell you these 25 yeah. things about her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jeff always goes into the – when he's questioned and he knows he's losing, he always goes into the, like, well, you can't do what I do. You know how he is here. He's like, you want a shot at the Jeff Winger throne. You think you can do all the work what I do. But his whole thing is that he won't do any work, and he's not willing to really take uh, take real lead of these people. He just wants the image yeah. of it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, we talk a lot about how Jeff is such a unlikable character, but Joel McHale is such a likable presence that it's hard not to like Jeff even when he's an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like all the other personalities in the study group, maybe save Pierce, but uh, everybody's their own brand of like, I guess you would be empathetic towards them, and they're all lovable in their own ways, and when that reflects back on Jeff, that's when you're like, okay, Jeff, you're not so bad. I love the way that the writers just kind of let Jeff simmer and like build up being a dick until there's one of these episodes, and then we take him back down. I don't maybe so the audience would still want to watch Jeff. They do a great job of the lead character of the sitcom, you know, kind of breaking down the stereotype of what that type of person needs to be. Yeah. He can be the hero of the episode. He can be the villain of the episode. And it can go back and forth from episode to episode. And that's how people are. You know, we're, we're all the villains sometimes in someone's story. And we're all the hero in our own, I think. Uh, I like the line, you know, Abed calls him out on his ego, and Jeff says that he doesn't have an ego because his Facebook photo is a landscape. (laughs) I don't think that means you don't have an ego. It just means you're lazy. Right? (laughs) Yeah, I usually take that to mean you're not on Facebook that often. (laughs) What's he doing on his phone? He's on that BlackBerry all the time. Right? Making it look like he's texting. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Jeff calls everyone in the study group together except for Abed to try to, um, you know, have them team up with him and and take Abed down a peg. This little interaction here were some names that I didn't know. Johnny Five and Hal Holbrook? Or just Hal the robot? Well, he says he's gone from lovable Johnny Five. I don't know Johnny Five. Evil Hal, is that 2001? Yes. And then I don't know the Hal name. Hal Holbrook? is that what Pierce says? Mm-hmm. Or he start he starts That's what doing. He thinks. So I assume how Holbrook is probably like a older Hollywood name. Sounds like I can't remember what jo- Johnny Five is from. What's Johnny Five? Is that also two thousand one? Uh, I don't. It's think Johnny not. Five. Johnny Five might I've be never from two thousand one. Uh, unfortunately, it's really good. You should watch it. It seems it seems difficult. 
It seems like a whole thing. It seems like a chore. Short circuit. It is testing. Shorts. Oh, so it's like the goofy oh. robot in short circuit to evil how mm-hmm. saying that op has okay. gone from like goofy and adorable to a problem that needs to be dealt with. And how Bro- Holbrook is an American actor. Oh, that's the old dude from um I'm trying to think what I've seen him in recently. Because he's, oh. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting anything recent. Yeah, because yeah. I'm not going to use Designing Women as what I've seen him in, even though that is what I've seen him in. He was in Wall Street, the original, with um, Michael Douglas. Uh, let's see. I've not seen much of this guy. He, Great White Hope, <laughs> if you've ever seen that. One of those guys that Pierce would know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. They, An obscure reference. What else could you expect? From yeah, I definitely would never put that face or that name and face together. Into the Wild, I guess. I know that movie. Yeah. Kind of. No one's willing to act out on what Jeff is saying because they're drunk with the power and the things that they're getting from Abed. And they also totally see right through Jeff. And they can see that he's, I don't know, he's doing this just so he can get his angle back. That it has nothing to do with concern for them or for Abed. Sorry, I hope you can't hear it. My window's closed, but there's a, I'm assuming a small Mexican man pushing around an ice cream cart outside. Whoa, you're I, assuming I, I a small I could hear Mexican that. man, Steven. Yes, because it's the same small Mexican man pushing around his ice cream cart. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's a fair assumption. Yeah. At least I didn't say he's pushing around elotes. You know, he. this is one of the first times that Pierce stands up to Jeff, really, because he starts to say streets ahead, and Jeff has said stuff like this before, where he's like, say it and die, and Pierce is, like, feeling a little big for his britches. He has no problem yeah. telling him mm-hmm. to back off. He's like, why yeah. are you in charge? Why do you do what we want you to do? And he says that Abed is more of a real boss than Jeff is, and then they all get nervous about talking about Abed to Jeff yeah. without Abed being a part of it. And <laughs> they try to call him. Annie's bits here with trying to get a hold of Abed were really funny, I thought. Yeah, I love the message she leaves him. The way Pierce delivers streets ahead after Jeff tells him not to <laughs> is a great, like, break in the reality. Like, the community reality is broken for a second. Yeah. But then Annie it brings, brings it, it back, back with this, <laughs> this voicemail. Yeah. Yeah, she she calls to say, like, hey, uh, uh, Jeff's talking about you not listening to him. Should we not listen to him, too? <laughs> also, can we make those fancy jackets for our crime family? That's very Annie. It is. And to think of this crime family wearing matching jackets that have what they do on the back of them. I love Like it. they're a bowling team. It's very <laughs> funny. I love it. Abed walks into the room, and everyone, it's just like, you know, like the Fonz walked into the room, and they're all so excited. And... Uh, Jeff says he's going to leave, and nobody cares, and he keeps trying to drag it out of them that they care that he's going to leave, and they don't. And we didn't mention earlier, we didn't talk about our funniest moments of the episode. Mine is right here, the shot of Pierce kissing Abed's <laughs> hand while Troy closes the door for Jeff that he can't come back in. That was my biggest laugh of the episode, for That's sure. That's a good one. I think, Alex, you might have mentioned yours. Maybe not. Uh, I really, really like the hackneyed entourage line. That one was funny. Steven, did you have one prepared? Um, mine is actually probably right here because of what Chevy Chase is about to do. Oh, yeah. I know oh, exactly you did mention that, yeah. so we're now to the So moment. for our audio listeners, Chevy Chase R- just clinked. All, that's all that there is. <laughs> he clinked together two <laughs> yeah. chicken tenders and then bit into one vis-a-vis the cookie monster, and it was pretty great. <laughs> so either that or when uh, – Don Glover says he has to put a banana. He has to give Annie's boobs a banana. That also made me laugh pretty damn hard. 
the uh, my monkey hates this caviar. That's a good one too. Oh, oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, I think that, that might great. be it for me above the banana thing because the way he punches the window is so good. I yeah. love the way the <laughs> shot is framed, where it's that classic like everyone around the mo- like kind of Sopranosy, the way that they're around him on the table around Abed, mm-hmm. and also kind of like Last Suppery, like Abed is Jesus a little bit, and yeah. you know Jeff is just a bystander. You know, again likening to. Uh, you know, Goodfellas when Henry is then in the bad graces of all the people yeah. in the group when uh, I think it's the first time he gets picked up for something and, and everyone doesn't really trust him and people start acting a little bit differently and it's like the people mm-hmm. who were your best buddies like will act like you're not there at all. I think they did a good job with this. And now Jeff is stuck with the likes of Starburns. <laughs> I wonder why Starburns didn't do this plan that he ha- has himself. Like he yeah. has a way that he could... Uh, sabotage the fryer so there couldn't be any more chicken fingers and he has been frustrated with it for a while he tried to tattle on the dean and the dean didn't care he could have done it then well and and Britta said you know that she thought he needed this income so it's important to him to have this job well he doesn't have it anymore well he he needs it he needs something he's gonna turn to crime he wants to be liked again deep deep down he's just hoping however unrealistically that this is going to fall apart and he could resume his old job properly right right and you know uh starburns helps turn jeff even more on the study group it's like making a deal with the devil and he kind of gives him the power to go do this if he decides that he wants to totally upend this thing i don't know this is one of the sillier plot devices of the episode the valve that can't be replaced but you yeah, know that I, Greendale would definitely not be able to afford another fryer. Of course sure. not. Yeah. I I liked that moment, though. I liked that actual scene of Starburns coming in, even if it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It's definitely – I mean, community doesn't ever make any sense. But it's <laughs> it's good that they have these moments because, again, it's like they use these – they use these structures that you've seen before in a community way, and that's the way it breaks the fourth wall. And it's just really fun to watch it happen, even if it's like, well – I know what Starburns could have done instead of talk to Jeff. That's not really the point. Yeah. Or it's kind of like that, that uh, the scene in the movie, you know, where the guy who's ousted from the group and another one of the adversaries team up and try to do some havoc. So it still yeah. kind of mm-hmm. follows the, the template that they're trying to follow. Yeah. yeah. Now, I couldn't make out what it says on the patches there, but it looks like there's something's written on them. I loved this part here with Annie. This that was really fun. This whole scene was probably what, also my favorite moment of the show. When Abed's starting to realize that the good things he's been giving to people, it's it's put him in their good graces. But then, kind of like he did, they'll start to get too big for their britches too, and they're not going to want to do your work anymore because they already have yeah. everything that they want. Um, they said on the commentary that Chevy was really a big fan of the hat that he was wearing in this. He was wearing like a Tommy Bahama hat, and I guess he really, really liked it. <laughs> oh, I just saw the racism does not compute sign. Nice. Yeah. I would put that up on my wall. Yeah, like totally. That one. Pierce has a problem with Abed, and he calls him over to discuss it because he his need was to have someone named Travis in his entourage, and he's like, this guy's name isn't Travis, but he goes by Travis, and his middle name is Travis. It's... It's a really funny example of like the the, the selfish desires of the study group. I this seems very emotional that? for me. I really empathize with Travis in his yeah. part. Are you saying because you go by your middle name? Yes, exactly. 
the it, amount of trust that I've lost with people when they found out my real name wasn't my real name. See, I have no problem with thing. people that that's do that. That's a weird thing. Yeah. Because, like, I've, I think I've known enough people that, like, go by their middle name that it was never, like, weird to me. If I thought hard enough, I could probably come up with what your actual first name is, but I don't know you as anything other than Alex. You're Alex. You don't to remember me. anymore? Wow, that's very that's a very comforting thought. Did I used to give you a hard time for it? No, I, it's just it's just a natural thing that you go through with everybody in your life. If that yeah, okay. you're just Alex. Alex yeah. Webster is like a name that just works. You know, yeah, it does. exactly. That's the exactly. name on the marquee. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you chose that as your adult entertainment name i think it really yeah. rolls both off and down the tongue very Steven's well Steven's a big fan you, you can find me on imdb i'm like the 21st alex webster does it say uh short-term work on the amazing race yeah pretty much yeah yeah my credits on like survivor and a couple other day things you worked I on did. survivor i didn't know you yeah did. well your your girlfriend work on survivor mm-hmm. yeah that was I've... my in I've been binging oh, Survivor cool. lately, like all the old seasons. I've been having fun doing that. It well, has not made me a fan, but I understand why people like it. It's well, I've heard that about the production of Survivor, too. I feel like I've heard. Oh, no, man. I know like some of the people who work who I either worked on the show or continue to work on the show. Like the They call them Dream Team when they film down at whatever mm-hmm. island. And like back in like the 2000s, it was a party all the time. So... Those people have happy memories, but it's not. But like nowadays, it's a bit more. It's a bit more corporate, yeah. Mm. So, Alex, for for those of us, you know, the listeners who may not and know, Steven. yeah, and Nick, I don't know exactly. Like, I know you've worked on some of those shows, but I didn't know exactly what you did. Why don't we fill in the the viewers, the the <laughs> the watchful eyes of our fans at home? Uh, um, tell us about yeah. Some of your tell Steve, tell Stephen's mom all about the, the work that you yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I I moved here to Los Angeles last May, uh, the beginning of May, mm-hmm. and uh, since then I've worked on Survivor. I didn't do anything crazy. I was just in post production. I was transcribing all of the contestant interviews. Um, if you've if anybody's watched the most recent season, not the most recent one, the the one the season before, with the guy who got kicked off of it. Yeah, that's the first one I worked on. Um, so we were dealing with that internally, like, and basically, like all the transcribers, because there's a bunch of us. We were transcribing these interviews and then like shots of them uh, just on the island interacting with each other. There's like, they just like, because the guy like he wants he wanted to like pursue legal action with survivor for portraying him in the way that he actually acted on the island so like they had to compile all these different clips of dan like like, being creepy that's how it happened yeah basically and i i remember doing an interview with dan he was he was one of the worst people to transcribe because he could never like put a whole sentence together Uh, and he's exactly the kind of person who jerks off over good fellows too so (laughs) it was just really really obnoxious i would like there was a game that the transcribers would play where you have to like sign out the next clip from the sheet i would like before i'm done with my current clip i'd kind of glance over at the sheet and see if dan's coming up and then i'd like purposely sandbag until somebody else went to the sheet (laughs) it's just he was awful. So, like, yeah, that's the first season I worked on. I worked on the next one, too, transcribing. Wow. I um, also did some PA work for the post department. I, When I lost my job at The Amazing Race, I went back to Survivor because I needed somebody to PA. 
because that season started airing like during the pandemic didn't it the survivor uh the The winter seasons yeah that one's that one started airing that yeah this spring so um yeah it's my other things i've worked on random other things i worked on uh, Lego Masters on Hell Fox yeah. with Will uh, Arnett. Yeah, right? not not on the actual like right. uh, taped on set stuff. Right. I worked on a casting event, so most of the pe- oh, all nice. of the people that you see on the show, I worked with them when they were choosing them. Um, so like we they like rented out this hotel by LAX and like flew everybody in and like we we did like four hour blocks of just Lego building competitions. That's and I was supposed cool. to run around the room and film everybody do, building their big Lego things. And they're really impressive. Um, but we were, like, filming the contestants, trying to get them to talk to us. Because so, the producers were in, in the other room. and Seeing how footage, good people are at talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It, was, it was very strenuous, and at times it was kind of awful. But I worked on that. So It's a I cool thing to be able to yeah. say that you've done. I'm sure that all yeah. of those jobs are probably a little bit uh, yeah. stressful and terrible. But mm-hmm. to be able to say that that's what you're doing and what you're working towards is awesome. Yeah. Trying to get out of reality right now. But. Yeah, but for working a job like that, something like Survivor and The Amazing Race are definitely like Two the, the touchstones of sure. the genre. Yeah, every that interview. Trans- that aren't necessarily yeah. trashy, that transcend mm-hmm. the genre a little bit. Yeah, totally. Like, they're definitely cornerstones. So I'm proud to have them on my resume. And I was really looking forward to working on uh, The Amazing Race this year. That was definitely going to be the most stable job that I had gotten to de- like to that point you know mm-hmm. being out they do here. a couple seasons of that show a year when the when it's when it's going don't they uh yeah i was just gonna work on this one that they started filming a season 33 it was just the one um but the my production um uh, post-production supervisor she told me that sometimes the way they schedule is out is like they'll end but then they'll immediately jump back into production yeah. next mm-hmm. season back to back um so yeah I was going to be working on that till September this year, till all this stuff happens. So, but it's my job whenever all this stuff comes back next year. So that's and good. a lot um, of the shows are starting to come back. Like I've been watching mm-hmm. the current terrible season of Big Brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been sending out applications to other shows that I see looking for post PAs right awesome. now. So, if anybody listening uh, knows somebody who needs a post PA on their well, show, well, friend friends of the show, Catherine McPhee, <laughs> Chevy Chase, Joel McHale, yeah, exactly. yeah, hey Ken, Ken John, listen, but I know you're busy with the the mass singer, but don't but you hey, think that they we know a man a... who could lighten your load just a little bit. He's looking for more reality TV jobs, and yes, you're the please. man who can provide them. Make me the host, please. Let's tackle the last of this episode. <laughs> We're running a little long, which is fine. I'm enjoying it. Uh, Troy's monkey hates the caviar that, that that they've given to him, which is you know his thing that shows Abed that the power is going to them. And I think that's such a funny thing. Yeah. That in the a small amount of time that he's had this monkey, he's gotten to the point where he's feeding it caviar and also to the point where he knows like that certain caviar would be better than other caviar. <laughs> I think it's very funny. Yeah, I think the monkey might just not like caviar. I think <laughs> that's, that's probably, probably hates it. And we're setting up the montage that is the closest thing we get in this episode to like people getting whacked. And mm-hmm. I almost wish we would have had a little bit more of a of a direct version of that in this episode. Like of you know they talk a lot in Goodfellas about how the people who are about to kill you don't just like kill you or say they're going to kill you they're they're your friends who address you and get you into like around the corner and then it's like nothing Mm -hmm. ever happened and that you never knew was happening it would have been fun to have seen someone being like taken into a certain room or maybe like they throw something of value into the fryer you know when they take them around the corner i don't know 
it would have been nice to see something like that. But this whole montage set to Layla is great. Yeah, so yeah. good. We get one by one. Annie's backpack has been destroyed, and I love the way that people are crowded around it, staring at it. Yeah, and when this she's is closest such a good shot to it, you can hear someone say, "Someone's backpack." <laughs> <laughs> Annie's boobs is missing and left a very well penned note saying that Troy should have appreciated him or her. Britta's like fallen asleep in a library, and the the hairdresser stuck gum in her hair. <laughs> Man, they, that one's super mean-spirited, I think. Yeah, yeah that's a big piece everybody. of gum. <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, <laughs> that's a punishment, not just, like, taking the silver too. spoon away. Yeah. 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 And Britta's yeah. the only one who didn't eat any chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chevy gets his cable cut, and then the classic <laughs> job of Abed romantically <laughs> feeding sexy dreadlocks guy chicken fingers and then looking right in Shirley's eyes. <laughs> How many times is Shirley's man going to get stolen from her in such a heartbreaking way? That is such a funny shot. I think that's probably a close second biggest laugh of the episode. So good. And now Jeff is suddenly in a position where everyone's chasing to him. Abed's treated them all wrong. They're running right back to Jeff. His plan has worked out brilliantly. The uh, the Shirley line about Tyler Perry having two movies about why it's wrong for a man to feed another man uh, chicken tenders was pretty funny. Yeah, I loved that line too. I don't really like that Jeff just gets everything handed right back in to him in this episode without having any kind of real reckoning. The scene with him and Abed that's about to come up is really nice, but it doesn't feel like... I don't know. They just fell back into his lap. It doesn't really... I don't know. I don't like seeing him get rewarded without having learned a little bit of something from the situation. Yeah. Because Abed didn't really do anything wrong either. And it does happen often. You're right. Yeah. I guess it's just they got to preserve the formula or something. Mm -hmm. We we only have a few more minutes left in the episode, and we got to get it ready for the next one to start right back up where this one started. (laughs) Right? They're like, okay, we got to reset. Got to (laughs) reset. Yeah, I mean, basically the next week when you dive back into community, it's, yeah, it's like everything gets reset because yeah. they're about to start something else that's completely crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's why sometimes we get people asking us questions like, don't you wish they would have done more with, like, Jeff working at the school newspaper or something like that? And it's like, yeah, I'm sure they could have done a lot with that. That could have been, like, a staple of the show. But instead, mm-hmm. they're always on to the next idea, the next totally different thing that they can put through this lens. And I like that a lot more. I'd yeah, much rather wish they went back to something and they never did then you know the couple of times that they did on this show and the dan Harmon's other show go back to things that they had done before and it still works but it's not going to work the way it did the first time yeah like yeah. the second dungeons and dragons episode is pretty good but, but it's, it's not, not quite lightning caught twice in a row yeah mm-hmm. though an exception to that rule i would argue is the paintball episodes at the end of season two definitely take that concept that and at the end of this season, they go, yay, we're doing paintball. But it definitely leaves them to, des- to be desired to work. Right. In season two, they're like, all right, well, let's actually like apply some famous film concepts to yeah. this too. I'm excited to revisit those because I like I remember liking those quite a bit less than the first one because I think it felt a little bit too much detached from the, the reality of the show. But it, it's been a little while, and I'm excited to revisit it. I'm sure mm-hmm. I'll like it. I think this episode is my favorite of the first season that we've covered so far easily, and I think it might be my favorite episode of the whole first season. I'll have to put it up to Modern Warfare when we get yeah. to it in a couple weeks. Yeah, this one's definitely in my top three at the least. 
just got his balance of power back. Everyone's listening to him. He can make everyone be quiet. And he says that he's going to solve the Abed problem, and he's going to try to get everything back to normal. He walks away with a smug little smile because every, everything went just the direction that he wanted it to. And now we're to the really touching last scene of the episode. I feel like, I don't know, we talk a lot about not really caring too much about the emotional and romantic and physical relationships on this show. Uh, it's it's more like the study group is a unit and as a family. Mm-hmm. But the Troy, sorry, the Jeff Abed relationship is one of those friendships that I do feel pretty vested in because of the way that they're able to relate to each other. And almost any time they have a little coming together moment where they can like talk to each other a little more seriously or like say what they're feeling. It doesn't feel forced at all. Like sometimes it does with other characters. And yeah. I think this is one of the best examples that we've seen so far. Um, yeah. I like the Abed's, you know, it's kind of like the end of Breaking Bad. Abed's like in his kitchen looking over all the stuff that he's done one more time before it's all going to be lost. We need to cook. Uh, yeah. He's still scrambling to find, you know, maybe another thing that he could get really popular so he could keep this all going, but it's over. And, you know, a lot of times at the end of the Mafia movie, the power's gone, the money's gone, you still want to try to find it, but it's done. It was like a portion of your life, and that part's over. Um, and If you're lucky enough to outlive that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> that was another thing with Goodfellas, was obviously the story's true, so yeah. it, they couldn't differ from it, but the witness protection thing seemed a little bit anticlimactic uh, from a movie perspective. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Just It was just straight up cut to police mm-hmm. station we're talking i was expecting more people yeah. to like die surprisingly and i don't know there was only a little bit yeah this comes to a whole thing where uh you know abed's like don't make a special episode about me don't make this about my problems he's like i'm just trying to understand people better he they really delicately put what abed's internal struggle has been throughout mm-hmm. this episode he's able to explain it to jeff in a way that he can't explain it to a lot of people and he asks jeff to give him some help as far as relating to people and how he can become better at it and this is one of the most humanizing things we've heard jeff say ever when he talks about his angle on this um, yeah how he was jealous of abed and he was ashamed of himself for sending abed down a path that made him jealous um and how he was gonna try to cut off abed and i don't know it's nice to hear jeff like explain something like that because a lot of times he learns the lesson but doesn't like vocalize this is what I did and what I was the mental games I was playing with the people mm-hmm. that I was supposed to care about and it was wrong. Uh, and then Abed says maybe it's Jeff's special episode, which is a nice turn on it. And there's a nice little moment talking about Jeff maybe like looking at some type of therapy and Jeff helping Abed with people and Abed helping Jeff with people. Yeah. It's just a really beautiful moment that puts a nice bow on an episode. And to anyone who says that Community is just like a parody show, because I think it's wrongfully labeled as that a lot, as like a show that mm-hmm. does other people's shtick, every time just about, especially in these first three seasons, there's something behind it. And like you could look at this episode and there's so much great character work and emotional intelligence on display. And it's not just a Goodfellas episode, even though that's what a lot of people I think might see it as. There's a lot yeah. more to dig into it. Yeah, I think yeah. Where, whereas like Abed says that, you know, he uses film and TV to, you know, relate to people a little bit. The show does, too. It's like, hey, let's take this theme, this concept that, you know, but then like meanwhile, use it to actually grow and have something meaningful happen. Yeah, I think the references specifically in this episode are really just surface level. 
like you use Layla during you know your montages and that's great but that's not what the show is even trying to do in the slightest it's it's all about furthering these uh, people's relationships and it's not the show knocks it out of the park with a character like Abed because it allows them to do things like that where it's like we're seeing things how Abed sees them and he puts everything through a pop culture filter so we're able to put the series itself through a pop culture filter instead of it just being like a grab bag of, of different spoofs. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. This scene goes on to them. Abed can't help but like compare the way that the conversation is going to other movies and he keeps like reassessing what bit they're doing and I think yeah. it's very funny. And they end up landing on the 16 Candles reference that takes out the episode where... Jeff and Abed sit on the counter in the cafeteria and feed each other uh, chicken fingers. And that's kind of like a couple of the things in this episode that I thought ma- made Abed out to be a little bit sexually ambiguous, you know? He's, <laughs> he's, he's using his prowess to take Dreadlock Guy away from Shirley. Mm-hmm. And Dude, now his, with great success. his, his uh, daydream... And I know it's just him wanting to live out the 16 Candles bit, but his daydream is to have the cute guy feed him food on his birthday. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's funny a little bit. I don't know. We've talked a lot about... I think Abed's like probably asexual, and I think that's probably the case, but... Do you think uh, the episode where he and Troy both compete for that librarian's affection, um, is that like evidence against your theory that he's asexual or I think it's what do you think well I haven't watched that episode recently but I look okay. at that more as like just like this is he's like oh it's like the sitcom episode where along. someone has two dates I want to play that I'm okay. sure if the girl had picked Abed Abed would have been like either <laughs> adapting it to other twists of, of media or he'd be like well I'm bored with this now and even later in the series when he has like he dates Brie Larson plays a character that he mm-hmm. dates for uh, yeah. a while and I think asexual well asexual doesn't mean that you're aromantic yeah. I just think yeah. Abed's interests are are very simple for the most part for yeah. companionship yeah sorry I keep referencing episodes from next season no that's okay However, I'm excited it's okay people assume that we've seen the show for next I don't <laughs> okay well, I I was just again reminded of the episode I can't remember, the presidential debate episode yes. next season. That's mm-hmm. one of my it's favorites. It's very timely right That's now. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh when Abed gets involved with the secret service agent as well. I think I don't know. I I don't I've not really thought about his sexuality too much uh in regards to the show, but I think the times that he does get involved some way somehow are worth examining. Yeah, it's, it, I feel like it's never like him trying to attract someone. It's always like a connection over something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then in times like the episode that we've seen this season where he puts on Don Draper for a second and it sexually yeah. confuses oh, Annie, yeah. I don't think yeah. – and they almost kiss. It's because Abed's doing a character and he can do it mm-hmm. really well, but I don't think he's really all that interested in going much past it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the little 16 Candles reference is a really funny way to end this is like – a mishmash of homage kind of it's like throwing an extra layer on top of it um yeah i think it works out really well everyone ends up in the same position that they were in the beginning but abed kind of understands his positioning a little bit better and feels like he's gotten to understand people a little bit better there is a new uh, (laughs) background ring going on in the cafeteria involving garrett and leonard what were they handing back and forth to each other Uh, leonard handed him a giant like koi fish and yeah 
Gave is that the yeah. new in fried food for chicken item? tenders? Oh, okay, <laughs> That's okay. a very Garrett thing. Yeah. And then the last joke before credit, we cut to the dean's office. It's always nice to see how much Dalmatian stuff is on display. Abed <laughs> puts out his chicken finger as a like a cigar and or cigarette and and finishes his story that he's been telling to the dean. And then there's the reveal that the whole time the question was just who stole hairnets from <laughs> the cafeteria. And the way the dean delivers that one line is very funny. Jim Rash just kills anything he's told yeah. to say. Yeah. Every single time. The Dean is absolutely my favorite character on the show. Yeah. I love so the good. someone with hairline, too. Yeah. He's like, ooh, good. <laughs> oh, good. I'll go on that. Then the intag is one of the really simple Troy and Abed goof arounds. They're doing like the pretend like you're walking down a set of stairs. And I think it's really wholesome that they made all their friends watch them do this because they've been like practicing, practicing it for a long time. <laughs> this like silly little kid thing that they're doing. Um, and then everyone leaves because, you know, you would. This is boring. And their last trick that they were going to do, they, like, go down like it's an elevator. They switch clothes and come back up, and no one was there to see. <laughs> and that's pretty much all there is to it. The only thing is, in the commentary, they said that they added something in digitally here. They yeah. go down the elevator and change clothes. The shirt that you see thrown across the top of the bookcase while they're changing is computer yeah, I, I, in, inserted. And then they come back up because I think they were a little bit unsure if it was going to be completely clear what was happening. I don't know. I think it was just an added little touch. I think it would have been clear, but they did mention that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't Doesn't hurt hurt anything. It's a nice little swoop. And it's nice that Troy and Aved are like, that was awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And they both kind of look down sadly like no one's here to watch us. We just spent a lot of time on that. (laughs) And that's the end of a really phenomenal episode. Yeah. Top, Uh, top, top notch. No complaints, really, at all. Um, so let's get into who everyone's MVP was. You said that your stealth one was Pierce, Alex. Is that who you've, yes. who you've gone with, or is there a, a, a non-stealth it, MVP? I think it would just be objectively wrong to award it to anybody but Abed in this episode. Mm-hmm. As much as I like resisting the popular thought, it's Abed. I mean, this is a special episode about him, and Danny Pudi is really, really great at bringing out the emotional beats in his stuff when it's there while still just being Abed at the same time. Um, And the way that reflects on somebody like Jeff, you know, that this is, this is the beating heart of community that I always like reference when I'm trying to sell it to somebody that like, it's a really fun, really imaginative, really creative show, really, really funny show. A lot of great writers on this show. But it's the actors and the stuff that they put into their characters when the writers want to give them good material, at least, you know, it's 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 always just about the study group. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we'll probably I don't know if Steven's going to throw a curveball. I assume we will probably all say Abed because it's just his episode. You could maybe argue Jeff because there's a lot of them battling out for the lead. But this whole episode, we're seeing it through Abed's eyes, and yeah. you understand him a little bit better for it. And Danny Pudi's performance is always so great. And they throw so many different things to Abed as a character when he's a very specific part, a specific type of character. You know, like Abed, played by someone else or with under worse writers, could easily have been a Sheldon-like character. Yeah, oh, yeah but instead, sure. he's a real human being who has real issues connecting with people, and the show. Uh, always finds a way to sh- to do that in a way that's funny and honest, and it does it really well in this one. So it's got to be him. Yeah, um, as much as I'd like to give it to uh, Annie's boobs, I'm gonna <laughs> go with Abed for sure. I think he just knocks it out of the park. I mean, 
thinking about it, if it weren't from Abed's perspective, you know, take the whole mob movie out of it. It's a fine episode. You know, you do the mm-hmm. chicken finger thing, but because it's Abed telling the story the way he does, it just, it's chef's kiss. Yes. So to wrap things up a little bit here, Alex, is there anything you have that you would like to tell people about, that you would like to tell people where to find you, what you're doing, anything like that? Oh, boy. Not really at the moment. I did start my own film co- podcast at the beginning of this pandemic. However, like with all the stuff with George Floyd and stuff going on, I kind of fell out of it mm-hmm. and haven't gone back since. However, at some point in time, whenever the theaters open back up here in California, I really don't know when they will. Um, but I am going to be getting back into doing a film podcast, just talking about stuff that I see that's out in the theater and trying to get my friends who are in the, in this industry to talk about their experiences on it too. So that's what I plan on doing it. Awesome. Uh, well, when you start called, it back up, we'll be sure to name drop it. Are you going to stick with the yeah. same one that you've started? Yeah, I'll stick with it. It's called at the cinema. It's just a little, little podcast. I made, I composed my own theme song for it. It's really nice. Fun. You did that? Do I, I've yeah, listened I to it. I can vouch for it. It was a good listen and the music was good. I didn't know that you did that at all. That's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. There's lyrics uh, to, that go with that too. I don't know when I'm going to debut this, but <laughs> um, it's uh yeah, that's some, that's like the most like relevant thing that I'm working on other than just trying to write as many screenplays as possible. So um, yeah, at the cinema, whenever that goes back up it's on youtube it's on everywhere so uh i don't know i guess i'll let you guys know when i pick that yeah we'll be sure to to uh give you as much traffic as we can to wrap things up on our end if you'd like to send us in trivia your mvps all of that stuff you can email us at cantispointpodcast at gmail.com if you haven't sent in yet for modern warfare or the art of discourse we will have already recorded those by the time this episode is up but Coming up very soon, we're going to be doing a Halloween special with Kevin Lanigan of Advanced Community Studies. So if you have any questions for that, if you want to talk about the Halloween episodes, about your favorite Halloween traditions, anything spooky related, send them our way. Uh, Steven, where else can people find us? Uh, people can find us on Twitter at You Can't Disappod. You can find us on Instagram at Can't Disappoint Podcast. Or on Facebook with the full title, You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. Uh, we're also on YouTube. I know for those who really want a, a visual experience, that's the way to go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in this week. We're glad you joined us. Uh, thanks for coming every week to wrap this up. From inside the Dreamatorium, this is Zach. And this is Steven. My name's Alex. And Allegedly. Black Lives Matter. Don't forget it. This yeah. is our show. We'll see you next week. Have a good week. Thank yeah, you. have a great week, guys. Bye, everybody. Yay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.